Welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels, a Star Wars Legion podcast, bringing you the latest news, general perspective, and competitive discussion. Hello and welcome back to the Notorious Scoundrels podcast. I'm Kyle. I'm here with Mike and David and Zach. We actually don't have that much to talk about this week, so we're going to uh, talk more about ikea furniture congratulations it's over the end <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna lie for a second there kyle i thought you forgot your own name which I, happens a, a lot yeah. more often than you than you think i think at least once a day so, hello and welcome back to notorious scoundrels i'm kyle <laughs> Her- hercules rockefeller uh, blast hard cheese <laughs> Those Winchester. yes <laughs> Punch um, rock groin. Um, yeah, punch rock groin. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Uh, the many names of David Ryder, for those that are curious of those references. And Hercules Rockefeller is, of course, The Simpsons. So, um, anyway. Yeah, we do have a lot to talk about. There were two really big news items last week. One expected, one not expected. So, we are going to talk about the RRG 2.0 which includes the points updates and the errata and all the other fun stuff that comes with it, which is really exciting because there was a lot of changes in there. I wrote an article on it, summarizing the changes. If you want to go check it out, it's on the fifthtrooper.com slash blog. Please go do that. Uh, and the other thing that we're going to talk about, which we're going to start with, uh, is Atomic Mass Games. So Esmonet announced basically that three star wars properties whoa, 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 whoa. before we get into the fun stuff let's let's talk about the actual news oh yeah i'm sorry housekeeping i see i'm glad you're here i almost like plowed straight past it i know i know i know let's make sure we get the timing in for the drop and everything too kyle yeah yeah <laughs> all right so let's hit some housekeeping first housekeeping all right mike what do you got all right so for all of you that are listening, you may or may not know, but we are having a Black Friday sale at thefifthtrooper.com slash shop. Um, we got a ton of sweet deals. We've got free shipping for um, U.S. customers. Sorry, international, but it costs us a lot. Uh, on $50 orders or more. Um, all games minus Games Workshop products are 20% off. All 3D files are 25% off. Um most almost all of our game accessories are 15 percent off except a couple new things that we threw on the store um 10 percent 10 percent off all terrain 10 percent off uh all non-gw hobby products um that includes like army painter sets and stuff like that so if you're looking to get your paints like it's the time to do it and 20 percent off our three by three mats um so we've that that's a pretty good deal um in addition we have, uh, we're, we got pre-orders up for all of our order tokens uh, for Scoundrels and Fifth Trooper, and they are going to be $5 off their normal price, which is about 20% off, um, give or take a little bit. So um, those will probably be in sometime in January. Um, so get your orders in now. Uh, the pre-orders are going quickly. We threw them up today, and they started filling up very rapidly. So um you know, try and get them in as soon as you can. If that's something you want, we sold out of them last time very quickly. And, you know, so 
uh yeah that's our black friday sale it'll be i think we're gonna roll it through next monday um just to give people time to you know figure out what they want to do um so that's what we're doing those are the, the order tokens are the ceramic poker chip style uh yeah they're they're, awesome. they're really nice um, they're super nice if all my stuff wasn't in boxes i'd show you them but <laughs> yeah mine are in the garage but yeah it's actually i need to prime them that's why they're in the garage i have a ton of stuff to paint i had them in i had them in my uh bedroom for like the longest time on my desk and now i don't so you know all right, product well, anyway, placement not there for us today you can see them on the website of course there are pictures of them there but uh yeah so any other housekeeping there mike um you know as always if you want to support us by not buying stuff from us you can always check out our patreon um and uh support us there um we're also uh evan has been doing live streams on the fifth trooper twitch so um you know check that out that's not on the youtube that's on our twitch we do have a twitch channel um so uh, we've been doing more stuff there um i think that's about it though awesome all right so let's talk about atomic mass games so it was announced that Armada, X-Wing, and Legion would all be moving from Fantasy Flight over to Atomic Mass Games, which is another company owned by Asmodee, which is the parent company that uh, owns Fantasy Flight. So um, MCP is the game that Atomic Mass basically was created to run. And correct me if I don't I don't know a ton about MCP. So if, if any of you guys know more about this, correct me if I'm wrong. But they basically, at least for the moment, only do Marvel Crisis Protocol. Is that accurate? That that is hundred percent accurate. That is the only game that at least we are aware of um that they design and produce. Um it's possible, like any other company, they've got things in the tank that they haven't shown us yet. Um but that is that is what they work on to our knowledge. Okay, and that of course is another miniatures game. So the business reason given for this was essentially specialization, right? Let Fantasy Flight do the, the board games and such, which of course they've always done, and then consolidate all the miniatures games under Atomic Mass. Notably, not moving uh, <laughs> Star Wars Destiny and Imperial Assault. Um, well, it's it's worth noting that Destiny Destiny's not Destiny's game. not an actual product anymore. Okay, like, like so, yeah. it's it's been canceled. It's like straight up canceled. All right, yeah, so yeah, that yeah. would be why it's Imperial not Assault is considered a board game, I believe. It is considered okay. a board game. It also hasn't received a new product in like at least a year, I think. Yeah, um, uh, almost. It's over two. Yeah. So I mean, while it has not been officially canceled or discontinued or whatever, I think everybody is sort of accepted to some degree at this point that the game has not actively been worked on and certainly the fact that it's not moving with the other star wars properties over to the minute <laughs> what will now be the miniatures uh studio is not super encouraging for imperial assault but of course this is not an imperial assault podcast this is a legion podcast so we're going to talk about that aspect of it um it's hard to talk about this subject without also acknowledging uh 
basically some of the personnel changes. Our thoughts certainly go out to everybody at Fantasy Flight that was impacted by this. There were some people that lost their jobs, including, uh, he posted it on his Facebook page, but including Alex Davey, the creator of the game. So, um, you know, certainly our, our thoughts go out to those, all those individuals at Fantasy Flight that were impacted. Uh, we as a community certainly appreciate all that, um, you know, you guys have done for the game, for the community, um, the passion of the team there that worked on Legion was very apparent in, you know, all of their public interactions. So thank you guys for all that. And hopefully, um, you know, obviously a very talented bunch. So I'm sure all of them will land safely somewhere. Um, it's not other than Alex, it's not super clear. Um, you know, it's not like as has announced specifically who they're keeping and who they're not. So we're not going to speculate on that on this show. Um, it's not super appropriate to talk about people's personal lives in that way. Um, in, in such a speculative fashion. So we're not going to, but, um, yeah, certainly our thoughts are with all those people. And, uh, yeah, it seemed kind of abrupt. Um, Obviously, I mean, the, the community was very surprised. I, uh, kind of abrupt is like, uh, it, it was pretty abrupt. The, let's, let's put it this way. There are, there are a lot of open questions about what is going to happen to the game. Um, it seems like, I mean, miniatures take a long time to develop. So I think it's safe to say that, you know, we're going to see at least several months worth of stuff that was developed under FFG still released. Um, Cause I'm sure all that stuff has been printed already, but you know, who knows when we're going to start seeing atomic mass design stuff. They are obviously a successful studio. You know, they run crisis protocol, which I understand is a pretty solid game, but um, yeah, there's just, there's a lot of open questions. Um, it's unclear what's going to happen to organized play. That's probably the biggest question mark. Um, and none of the there actually have been two two like public statements about this, neither of which have been super helpful. It's kind of a lot of like just corporate business reassuring speak, but no details. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, wh what do you guys think? This let's let's focus on the organized play part because um, there's a lot of open questions, but that one is probably one of the biggest one clearly organized play not really a thing right now with the pandemic but at some point it will be a thing again well the thing that gives me a little bit of hope um we've talked on the show before about um narrative and how there was sort of like an effort in that direction early on and then it kind of got abandoned um well, i don't know if abandoned might be too strong a word but i know I just know they stopped producing those packets um there was an announcement today, a very short one. It was a very, like, just slightly longer than a twit longer, probably, um, about uh, the future direction of OP for Star Wars games. The Atomic Mass put it on their Twitter. Um, but they did indicate that narrative was something they were looking into, something that they've done similarly with Crisis Protocol. And so that's kind of something I'm excited for personally, is that if there's a return to a narrative as part of OP, you know, I'm definitely looking forward to being involved in that, whatever form that takes. I, so I have a very negative outlook on this. I, I understand that for a lot of people, 
narrative is important in hobbying the game and things of that nature and i empathize with that but kind of have no interest in it personally um i'm not gonna say i have no interest in it. it it can be fun like don't get me wrong like the crusade stuff for like 40k sounds fun and and i will happily do that around the kitchen table with my buddies whenever we can do that again um when someone says organized play to me it means that we are having a tournament and i understand that in this context they mean just like stuff that happens at a store where we get a bunch of people together and it is a community and i think that that's fine but i think that there's a large difference between like when we talk about organized play what we really mean is competitive tournaments and and those are like it's it's almost like a subset of what organized play like organized play for ffg was you're having a tournament today right organized play for atomic mass is everybody's gonna get together today and we're gonna play some games and it doesn't matter if you win or lose and that's fine but we're not like here to crown a champion of the store or of worlds or of nationals or whatever um now they seem to imply through that article that they are going to to some degree absorb whatever ffg was doing with their organized play structure Um, let's read that statement here real quick because um i feel like this i would encourage people to to go check out and read the whole thing the first paragraph essentially outlines what their um view is an organized play coming from crisis protocol, which as you mentioned, is like a store level, you know, everybody wins kind of thing. Um, narrative, very narrative, narrative focused. Now that said, crisis protocol also is a very young game and never really got a chance before the pandemic to ramp that up either. So it's possible they also have something else planned for crisis protocol. We have no idea, but that's what the first section is. The second part that you're referencing is basically said, uh, we are looking forward to bringing our organized play philosophy to these great Star Wars miniatures games while continuing the types of events these games have enjoyed throughout their time under the watch of Fantasy Flight games. So to me, if you if you read that with good faith, it basically says we're going to continue running tournaments, like convention-level tournaments. Um, but I don't know. There's a lot of like sort of ambiguous sounding corporate speak in both the statement and in the um uh there was also like an faq done with some of the atomic mass people um and it's very scant on details as is this like i'd love if they just said like we're going to keep running convention tournaments like literally that but that's not what this says it sort of ambiguously says it but it doesn't specifically say it yeah um I was, I was, I brought it up cause I read it earlier quickly and I have a bad backup. You just read it again, but it's, it's interesting because it like, it like leads you one direction then another, and you don't know which direction is actually the direction that they're going for. Now, this is an interesting thing for me on a personal level, because lately I've been feeling lost with Legion. And what I mean by that is with no in real life events and no tournaments to look forward to, I find myself having no ends to a means, right? Um, of course there's online tournaments. I get that. But for me, it's the physical aspect of going to a tournament, hanging out with friends and playing a game that I love. 
um, whether that's casually competitive, competitive, casual, doesn't matter. Um, I'm going there to play three, four games, you know, somebody wins. That's how it goes. Um, so if you play a game and you need an ends to, you know, an ends to a means, this statement while is promising also leaves you kind of lacking because you don't know what that ends to the means will be. Um, obviously there's a lot going on in the world and this could be said for anything, whether they put out a statement or not, we have no ends to a means in a physical real life tournament as it is now anyways. Um, so it's something that I think we're just going to have to have patience with uh, as is the whole, the entire situation as a whole is something that we need to have patience with. Um, like the way I've been approaching is this, I haven't played a game in like a month, we're going to call it. I'm okay with that. I can still talk Legion. I can still theorize Legion. I enjoy the podcast. Like this is like one of my favorite nights of the week because it's fun to talk about Legion. I don't have to physically play the game I do, I, at this moment on TTS or in real life. I, I can still pick it up tomorrow and be fine, or at least I feel like it could be fine. It's, it's just like riding a bicycle at this point. So if you're in a position like me, it's okay. Just be patient. And it'll all pan itself out, whether that's three, six months down the road, 12 months down the road, we'll have a direction at some point. It's just right now, this is what we have. Um, this, I don't think the sky is falling. It's just, we need to kind of take a deep breath and more information will come when it comes is, is how I'm approaching the situation. And I think it's possible too. They don't even know exactly well, what. That's my problem with the situation is that I feel like it's abundantly clear. They don't know. And yeah and 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 that means that zach we're probably gonna have to wait you're right right like yeah. and and is there gonna be a six month to a year period where like it's pretty slow for the game probably right um i mean maybe not and maybe this goes off without a hitch and they've got a plan and i'm wrong and all this other stuff <laughs> um which I mean, would be, to be which fair. would be sweet and cool but i just i don't think this sort of thing works like that um, most of the time. I mean, to be fair, last Monday, when this original announcement came out, the concern that I had immediately was that the rumored rules reference guide and point changes would not come because we knew they were coming in the end, end of November. Now, a promising thing in this, in the light of all of this, is that in that, you know, which we're going to talk about tonight, is that piece of information still came out. Um, like, I think the game would have, the game would have been in a really tough spot if we were going through a unfoundational transition and what i mean by that is we're not sure if they have a plan it's just happening and we have to go along for the ride and be patient with it and the game didn't get like a bit of a shot in the arm that it needed which we'll discuss later on tonight right like the game needed that and it needed that shot in the arm um so if both of those things happen i would be more concerned because the rules reference and the points came and they're at least being proactive with making a statement, whether it's corporate cheese or not, at least they're saying something. Um, but again, I urge patience, um, which is not really our strong suit, Mike. I, I don't think the kind of personalities patience. that you and I have. I'm sorry, what's that? Patience? Yeah, no, no. You mean patience we're not is... going to the Super Bowl this year? What do <laughs> exactly. you mean? <laughs> that's, what that's kind of what I was getting at. We're Patriots fans, we have no patience. That's just how we are. Um, we're from the Northeast, we have no patience. That's how we are. Um, but 
in this situation, we have to be patient. That's all. That's all there is. Yeah. I, a, a goose faba moment, just take a deep breath. Um, and if say six to 12 months, we get that answer and maybe sooner or whatever, if it's an answer you don't like, then it's time to start discussing more. But until we get that extra information, we're just going to be guys sitting here on a Monday night recording a podcast about a game we love, whether it's competitive OP or not. I mean, that's just how it is right now. Um, you well, know, I, I think I want to give a little comfort. I think if, if the answer, and we definitely don't know this is the answer, but if the answer is essentially that there will be no more officially supported convention level tournaments, I think those tournaments would still happen. Like LVO is, as we currently speak, still on. Uh, if it would, if it was not on, I think that would be entirely because of the pandemic and have nothing to do with OP, FFG not being involved anymore. And I think that, that the same would also be true of Adepticon. I think there would be a large Legion tournament at Adepticon this year. You know, if Adepticon happens, there will be a large Legion tournament this year there. Now, whether, you know, there's a FFG OP world championship trophy there to win or not is a different question, but there's going to be, you know, a hundred Legion players showing up to Chicago that want to play a giant Legion tournament with a winner regardless of whether Atomic Mass or FFG or anyone else is involved with that. Now, is that as good as having like, you know, an official tournament structure supported by the company that makes the game? Um, definitely not, but it's something, I mean, this is what 40 K has had for literally decades. Um, and they have a, a very robust competitive community. So yeah, I mean, you know, it's going to be fine, right? Like, yeah. Like it, there's as long no as the doubt community. it's going to be fine. Yeah. It's Star Wars. This is a brand that's made to last. Like, you know, um, it's just, I think it's okay to be frustrated and upset with the situation while simultaneously understanding things are going to be okay. You know, yeah. um, and that's sort of where I'm at. You know, like, I, I'm pissed for a variety of reasons, but, like, I also know we're going to be here every night for every Monday night for the next whatever years. And, and, and that's great. I'm, I'm all about it. You know, I'm sure that my frustration and upsetness will pass. I just, um, you know, I, I personally feel attacked a little bit by this. I don't like in, in that, like, I feel like they have not treated, uh, their employees and end users with the respect of a company that I would like to give my money to. Um, that's my problem with this situation. Um, Certainly a way the FFG employees were treated does not feel great. Um, so I just, it's going to be fine. I'm sure AMG is going to have something that we're going to do. Um, I think that, you know, I, so David, you were talking about narrative play. You know, I, I do think mm-hmm. that like if they take a like Lord of the Rings esque, like like Games Workshop did a great job with Lord of the Rings narrative play. It's fantastic. They've got like these like, you know, attack on Weathertop box sets and, you know, the Battle of Helm's Deep box sets and you've got all the little heroes and there's a different like warrior profile for each hero in like each 
each like scene, right? So like the Aragorn you have at Weathertop is different than the Aragorn you have at Helm's Deep and they do different things that are thematic. And I think that like this game is to some degree like missing a lot of stuff like that, right? Like the two Lukes we have and the two Vaders we have are sort of like that, but they're not really like this is the return of the... I mean, it it's the return of the Jedi Luke, but like you don't really... There's nothing narratively telling you that, um, right? And and right. I and I think that like if they were to release a box set of like, you know, um, the battle at Bespin, and you had all the little heroes that like messed around there, or like you know, Jabba the Hutt's palace, like those could be like cool things where we could have stuff like that. So I mean, like I'm ex- excited in that vein that we could be headed in a direction like that. But my hope here is that we're not sacrificing some of the things that have made this game really stellar in order to get there. Yeah. I, I mean, two, two thoughts come to mind in this vein, and I'm not sure how much more time I want to spend on this because we have a ton of other things to get to, but I was thinking like, yes, that's a good idea. Um, I think the Imperial bunker went over like a lead balloon. If, if you're, listening to this and you've purchased an imperial bunker and you have good things to say about it just let us know to, um, to be fair is that because of the bunker itself or because of the price point of the bunker uh probably a little bit of both most I, of the price point i mean because you can 3d print that bunker for a minuscule amount of money compared to what they were selling that bunker for or what they are still selling that bunker for well like i think i think they could have done and i think this is something that amg could do we just saw um the new Deadpool stuff that got spoiled for AMG. They, they're putting out Deadpool. He's got like some cool terrain that comes with him. What I would, if they're going to go the narrative route and they're going to do things like the bunker, what I wish they would have done was here's the bunker. It also comes with, you know, four alternate sculpts for, for these heroes that are, are like you about- themed. Are you talking about R2-D2 and 3PO? Yeah, like, so here's the question. I think the R2-D2 pack is much better than the bunker for that reason, to be honest. Yes, yes, yes. how many people wish that they could have paid less for just R2-D2 and 3PO? A lot of of people. I think that the competitive people, you will hear that from, and we're in a little bit of an echo chamber when it comes to that sort of thing. We're a vocal minority, and we're also, like you say, in a I like the escape pod, I do too. It's a a great piece piece of terrain. terrain, I love that piece. Um, And I think for for the hobbyists out there, that, like, I, I would... I don't need the models that I buy to be, like built in a pack that is built to be competitive right like if if it's in a box set that's themed whatever i'll still buy it i don't really care and and i think a lot of people feel that way they might be like a little bit off put about it but like we're gonna buy the models anyways but like i think that there's a lot of um just like good things built in when you're doing stuff like you know here's Here's the R2-D2 3PO pack that comes with terrain and a little scenario for them. Like, like I think even if, like, each commander pack had, like, a little scenario and, like, a little terrain piece that came with it, I think it would add a lot of value to a large swath of the player base that we often don't hear from. Right. And, and this is a lot different than... It, it's so much different when it's miniatures. 
and not like cards that you absolutely have to have an official copy of to be tournament legal. Those of you who are listening to me are probably thinking of the X-Wing Epic ships with like, I need to buy this $100 Raider. Well, if you paid the full retail price, I don't know what, I don't know what to say, but um, I need to buy this $100 Raider to get Emperor Palpatine was like a thing because Palpatine aces were the list for a long time. Um, so, you know, I don't want to go to that extreme, obviously. And I think their FFGs, you know, walked away from that, basically, that they've acknowledged that that was a bad idea. But I agree with you in, in principle. I think that I can, I can stomach getting some extra things if that's what it takes. Yeah, I mean, I just, I think, I do think that n narrative play overall for a miniatures war game, specifically a miniatures war game that is like based on a narrative. Um, <laughs> I mean, yes. like, like, like to some degree, like, like 40k is not based on a narrative. It's just a war game that has a narrative that's been built around it to support it, right? Whereas we're really Star Wars and Lord of the Rings is going the other way, right? The narrative's already there. The narrative is something right. that we've built upon rather than, you know, is built over. Um and so, you know, I which is to say that I think that direction is good. I just don't want it to come at the expense of the other things that we've built. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. There's a lot, of, a lot of things that I expected to have go through my mind during this episode. But one of them that I was unprepared for was that I wish my Hoth Luke now came with like a Wampa or a shield generator mic. So thanks for that. It feels lacking now. <laughs> well, and you know, I mean, uh, uh, that would be cool, right? Like, and yeah, no, no, totally. Know. Now you got me thinking. That's like a great idea. Throw in a, a shield generator or a Wampa, and I'm. I, now my my you know now I would hope that it wouldn't be an exclusive mind you but now the Hoth Luke not only is an alternate sculpt but it brings something else to your table right mm -hmm. like like a Wampa would just be cool hanging out on some snow table just walking around I mean whether you use it for cover or not whatever but like I, I like seeing like like an example is I've seen Jetta tables with like like the like the people congregating like around the table and like that's cool because that's what it feels like Star Wars is supposed to have like those civilian alien type you know, humanoid types hanging around because life is still going on while this war is happening. Um, so yeah, to, to emphasize a, no, a more brighter thing is that maybe the narrative play gets upticked in a, in a different way than before. I mean, like, that would be awesome. Cause I feel like that's, sorry, go ahead, David. No, I was, I was, it's a little less on topic than what you were probably going to say. Yeah. I was just going to like, I think that's a missing area. It'd be great if that got filled in, um, but yeah, not at the hopefully not at the expense of the competitive play. I do think there's a little bit of a misconception about like what percentage of of the community is competitive and how much that drives sales. I mean, there's a reason that phase twos and arcs were out of stock in less than a week, and bark speeders never went out of stock. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, clearly, I mean, so I think like that specific comparison maybe isn't fair because Barks, yeah, are, yeah, Barks I know. are in the core set, right? Right, um, yeah. But, but... T-47? Right, you know, like, like there are certainly units that are more viable and the competitive players are going to buy those up and and people are going to understand that. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, B2s were sold out because they're freaking B2s, man. Like they're well, just cool. and they're awesome, but also potentially great. Uh, we'll talk about that's, that's fair. I, I think I think what I would like to underline here is that, and I think that we've sort of been alluding to this, is that 
Um, when it comes to organized play, it's clear, or or really the game design as a whole, things are going to change. It's just a question of by how much and in what direction. Things will not stay the same. Yeah, um, and there's light at the end of the tunnel, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, depending on what you want from the game, right? We we don't know what that light looks like. Um but I, but I I think that it would be um, naive of us to think that w- this game will be the same after AMG takes it and does whatever they're going to do with it. The rules may stay the same, um, but like the general design and development of it, I think they even said in one of their press releases was that like we've got a different way of doing things that we would like to pursue when it comes to these games, you know. Um, they didn't say it quite like that, but that's what they were implying. Um, and hopefully they keep the core principles of the game, like coming from 40K. Um, yes, the RG is like 90 pages at this point. And yes, some of the some of the interactions are a little intimidating and complex for a new player. But it's also, from someone that's played a lot of different miniatures games, probably the most like tactically satisfying miniatures game that i've played and i think there's you know we'll see what happens i hope that they don't like alter the core rules in such a way that sort of um reduces that satisfaction if that makes sense like there's i like that flanking and getting out of cover shots and stuff is a thing but it also means that the cover rules are more complex you know 40k's cover rules is are you touching a terrain piece or not yes or no right yeah <laughs> if you are you get cover if you're not you don't right and or, i think that's really lame yeah, <laughs> yeah all it, your, it's super all lame four, but yeah it's simple but it's also really lame are all 40 of your miniatures and crammed inside this piece of felt no right yeah uh, get wrecked <laughs> yeah know? i mean i i think that it's you know we the rules could change i i mean like we we don't know yeah we you know? have no I idea mean, i mean it's like, all speculation it, it's the you know we could speculate and but i mean like i don't know if i got ownership of any game and i wanted to make it mine i'd probably change some things right like right you know um regardless of what game it was you know everybody's got biases and things that they like to do yep. because they're human and um we're yeah, probably we'll not gonna see what that looks like for a while a very long time potentially but anyway speaking of changes should we move on to the rg i don't know are are people going to be salty about it <laughs> i think there's going to be a lot more happy people than salty people at 100 this is this is me swinging the bat Which, and the bat is hitting the clones <laughs> <laughs> i think <laughs> okay let's get it let's get into this let's justice uh, all right, so we're we are not going to talk about the entire RRG this week because that would take like five hours. Um, that might be cutting us short, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think, our, so I think it's going to be closer to eight to ten, but sure. Okay, yeah. so our intention here is not to just do a bunch of hot takes. We want to try and actually like deep dive into what this means for each unit and each faction that got changed. So we're going to spread it out a little bit. This week we're going to talk about uh, Empire and Republic. And then next week we're going to talk about Separatists and Rebels. 
uh, because Separatists got the least changes and Rebels got the most, so it makes sense to pair them. Yeah, or or it's red red save versus white save bias. Yeah, yeah. But that's Everyone fine. Look no, at it. Not a worry, you know. Yeah. Um, and we have to lead lead with Republic because they're the only ones that got meaningfully significant nerfs. So <laughs> let's uh, all right, let's walk through these one at a time, and then we'll talk about the faction as a whole and what this means for a faction. So 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 just to be clear, are we? Are we opening on points changes or are we talking about rules changes as well at this juncture? I want to open with two rules changes and then go to points changes. <clears throat> okay, sounds great. All right, so the first one, the big headline change, no more standby sharing for clones. Sort of, but yes. Well, uh, for clones, Exemplar yeah. still works. Yes. If that's what you're getting at. I am. I, I, so okay. I think that fundamentally this is a big change um clearly it's a fairness change uh standby sharing was pretty broken uh it i i don't know maybe well, broken may not be the right word it was very uninteractive it was super uninteractive mm-hmm. yeah it was very hard to play around i think that um people that want to entertain that strategy still can it just looks different uh to some degree um and involves uh the core of the list being anakin and padme um but i think i mean this is a change that uh needed to happen um because it it basically took every range two to three unit in the game and made them a lot worse because you couldn't interact yeah it basically invalidated a lot of things and it made like situations where walking into range three was a death sentence rather than an engagement. Um, and that felt bad. Um, I mean, obviously, obviously, I think standbys were, I think the standby sharing was fine when it was range two. And, and I don't want to say it was, it was not busted then, but I, I want to say that it was emphasized when Overwatch comes into play that changed a lot of things like standby share. Like the, it's really the training slot on the phase twos and, or if you add a captain in, right, that training slot is what kind of made the situation snowball to the point where it needed to, this change needed to happen. Um, I mean, we were probably eventually going to get there, mind you. Um, but the fact that arcs and phase twos come with, training slots and you could fit a lot of them into a list uh, which if i'm not mistaken mike you had five copies of overwatch in your clone ball list um i'm the bad guy call, what can i say not to, not to call you out on it but five copies of overwatch means that you can get into a position and you have five units that can basically shut down your opponent from entering range three without without repercussion which is just the game's not meant to be played that way really yeah you'd like to be able to think you could make a move that doesn't help your opponent and standby like created situations where that just wasn't really possible and i mean it it was sort of like i have no good options so i'll take like the worst like the least worst option but even then it was like it, it was you're being faced with the least worst every turn where it might also result in damage to you and it was just too it was just too favorable in some instances i felt i think i think that that's fair i do think that um 
like it clearly hedged out way too many units it or strategies right like i i think that um from a competitive standpoint there were lists that could deal with it um like like it wasn't the end all be all it was very good it was not unbeatable um but it's it's win it's win rate was far too high um i do think that um you know once we get through some of the points changes i don't think this change directly results in a loss of competitiveness competitive i can't say words today um clones are still going to be very good i think for the most part you're just trading overwatch for offensive push um on all of these units and well, uh, and and i don't think the loss is that big this feels a lot like the comms relay change for sh for shore mortars and also the um tauntaun withdrawal change where it might be like a minor um nerf to a specific way to use those units but like you still saw two to three shores and three tauntauns and a vast majority of empire and rebel lists after those changes like they were still extremely competitive units and they were essentially uh you know play experience changes right like those were mechanics certainly that were effective but also felt you know on the other side of the table like wait this you can do what now i'm sorry like can can you explain that to me again? Um, and when you have to like spend five minutes explaining to someone how they're getting their butt kicked, uh, and then they don't feel like they have great choices afterwards, it's it's just not a good it, like balance considerations aside. It's just not good for the game. So, sim in, in a similar fashion, right? With standby sharing, you know, as the clone player, you put your standby token down, and then you're watching your opponents like ears start smoking as they're trying to figure out like what the right response is it's a great feeling let me tell I'm, you yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean yeah okay maybe if you're in, a sociopath but sure. <laughs> well, i was gonna say in that in that vein in that vein there was there was definitely games that i literally felt bad putting a standby token on the table right like i would physically feel bad because i know that i'm creating a negative not a negative I, I shouldn't say negative play experience but i mean it's basically what it felt like right is i'm putting the standby token in and it's basically saying you want to and you want to walk into me you're going to eat some shots and and i don't know and maybe that's because i have some of a soul left as opposed to mike here <laughs> i'm just i'm just kidding i'm kidding um but there was there was definitely a time in this recent meta where i would openly choose to play rebels rather than play clones because i didn't want to be looked at with that steam coming out of ears that i took a standby um whether that's my fault my opponent's fault it's nobody's fault at the end of the day but it's not a good feeling for either player right it's not good for me as a clone player to feel bad to do that it's not good for the player playing against me to be pissed at me for doing that when it's when it's my best interest and one thing of note before i stop my little rant here is the one thing that standby sharing took away from me was that a standby play in an important game could, was like it, a good standby play is awesome. I don't know if you've ever pre clones, right? If you take a standby 
And that standby determines a lot of things for your game and you make your opponent now have to think like five different directions they weren't thinking of. That's like one of the best moments in Legion, actually. I, I think standby when it was niche was amazing. Yes. Because you could put your opponent into a situation where they actually thought they had something that they were going for and you kind of gimmick them with the standby. Like there was times where I was like, let's say up in activation, I would forward cohere a unit, like uh, forward cohere a model to then make my range four inches longer, right? Because it's model to model. And if that standby triggers into range three unit, I'm shooting even if they're at range two of the unit that's forward cohered, right? That, that could be big in a lot of games. Whereas standby sharing kind of took away that, oh crap, my opponent took a standby. What do I do? It's, oh crap, my opponent took a standby. I'm going to eat 10 shots from these arcs. Um, I, I think that there's a fundamental difference here between like clearly standby sharing was much better against a lot of lists and made people feel that it was unfair and stuff. But I got to say the standby sharing mirrors were, have been some of the most interesting games of Legion I've ever played and most fun as far as solving a puzzle goes. Um, I could see that for what it's worth. And, and I'm going to miss that personally, you know, my, my, yeah, that game that we played. Yeah. My, my, where I I played Arkstar. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The, the testing game where we played Arkstar against Arkstar, my game against Kingsley, my game against Luke, like some of those were like some of the most interesting games of Legion I've ever played one of the reasons that they were that way was because we were fundamentally playing a different game than everyone else. Right. And I think that that's where the whole thing breaks down. Um, I, I, you know, I, I loved how it played because it was super interesting, but it was brutal when the other team couldn't share standby. So I get it. Um, I think this is a good change. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's great. When the two armies that can play the game get to play. Yeah. And three out of the three out of the other, you know, the other three out of four just kind of like don't even get to the top eight because they're kind of just. Anyway, I'm talking about the ladder tournament that we had recently. That's actually not true. I finished fourth, but there you go. Played rebels, but that was because rebels had rebels were like a counter pick they, because they got they Pierce right and range four right. Yeah. We had the DLT twenty, which was like our our one one of two ins that we had against that kind of list. The I, other I, one being Cassian. I do think that it's worth mentioning <clears throat> as we close out this point is that there are always going to be lists at the top of the heap. Yes. And please, for the love of God, don't make people that didn't write the rules feel bad about lists that they're playing because they are trying to play the game. One of the things that I really found distasteful about this whole situation um, was people coming to me and being like, (coughs) Mike, I don't want to play my army because people feel like I'm cheating or like doing whatever. And I really empathize with that. Like it, it's not their fault that this happened or whatever. Like, like don't pick on your friends for going to a tournament and playing the good thing. Like there's going to be good lists. Um, you know, if you guys want to make a gentleman's agreement that nobody plays it, that's fine. But like, um, you know, there's going to be a next best list. What it will be is a question mark. Some people think it'll be tax strike. We'll see. <laughs> we, we tried. We tried to do that in the latter event. We got to 15 of 16, but that six we couldn't get the 16th signature. 
Well, I mean, <laughs> you you should be able to play whatever you want, and if and if your goal is to win a tournament, like you should be able to play the best thing and not have people be like. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're a bad person because you decided right, to bring like, Overwatch about, clones, like, like, yeah, right? <laughs> personal attacks, that's that's one thing. That's 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 out of bounds. Like you, For what it's you, worth. Attack, you know, don't shoot the messenger, you know? For what it's worth, I, I I hope that the personal stuff is very minute. Me too. It's more about body language and in this case not body language, but like your mannerisms while playing these games against these lists is is the main concern. Um, so like if, if another list does come out on top, I have, I mean, we're going to discuss points changes. I have no effing idea. If you need to beep that out, Mike, I have no effing idea what the top list is going to be. I'm not that big on tax strike lists, so that, that's fine. I, I mean, it's a free for all right now. And that's a good thing. Oh, like, like when you look at an arc star and a rec star list, you're like, oh crap, that like 100% as someone that has come down on people for like being with listen net listing is very hard to do in legion because there's a lot of variables arcstar and rexstar kind of felt like the first time in a long time that like a net list was a true net list um you know at least and and, and i'm a new i'm a new gamer and in net listing don't get me wrong is where if i'm if I'm not mistaken is you can kind of tell that like putting to putting the pieces together is kind of the top tier list and that was the this was the first time where it truly felt like that shores and tons again, had their time, but they always felt more beatable than this binary code of a list, you know? Yeah, and and I think it's also important to recognize people that, like, bought these armies, these armies are not going away. They're, they're going to look a little different, but, like, the five phase two triple arc Rex thing, like, it's it's still going to be here. It's not going anywhere. You're just not going to be able to share standby tokens. It's still really good. Right. Like the, the core mechanics are extremely solid and you, you can't argue with like the best saves. Yeah. I mean, I would argue that a straight gun line is not in the same place as it was a week ago. Also true. Um, well, let's, but that's for another discussion. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So speaking of clone lists that are still good, uh, let's keep moving on here with the additional Republic changes. So this next one is not specifically a Republic change, but it definitely impacts a token, no pun intended, Republic strategy. And that would be uh, that you basically cannot gain a token from Agile or Tactical unless you take a move action, a standard move action. Mm-hmm. So previously it was just a standard move. This is one of those little important nuances that has a lot of implications throughout the game. You know, the difference between a standard move and a standard move action. For example, steady, relentless, and charge all require you to take a move action, which generally speaking, you can only do on your turn. But there are lots of ways to get standard moves like scout moves, cards, command cards like No Time for Sorrows and Smokescreen. So basically they changed Agile and Tactical such that you have to actually take a move action. So this impacts Republic because take that clankers, uh, well, not specifically take that clankers, it was common to use tank that clankers, but essentially there are several Republic units, notably Rex and Arcs, that can get scout moves and also have Tactical. So. You know, a Republic list would essentially start the game with at least four free aim tokens just from taking scout moves 
and then retaining those aim tokens on the first turn basically for free and people didn't abuse it all the way either because you could also like you could even take offensive push in your arc strikes and then get double up and you know i think i think the most i ever saw was like 10 at one point it was ridiculous yeah so yeah. it needed to go i, I, I mean, mean go. i was gonna say you hear that noise that is the stray bullet that casting crack shot just took i um oh yeah i, I know and i'm okay with this I, that's no, op too because forcing four crits at the start of the game is also op and i know it's it's just funny to think it's just funny to me that a a two dice a two dice model with gunslinger fray turn that has cumbersome that relied on this opening not relied but like because he's still a really good piece i'm not saying cassian's like dead in, i'm not saying cassian blew up on uh on scarif here uh but he did spoiler alert but my my <laughs> point is is that like like that was his play it, it, it recon you that know infiltrate play, yeah. recon op get the aim tokens crack shot yeah. set up the, set up the board state where you have an opening shot um my my point is is I don't think I don't think this nerf was because of Cassie and Andor is really what I'm getting at. I mean, um, so to be fair, I think this is not actually. I mean, it is a nerf, but I don't really think it's a nerf in the in the traditional sense of a nerf. This is a this is just how this should work, um, and frankly, um, you know, the problem that was that this. I don't think it really solves the problem, frankly. Take that clinkers is still really good, and I think that generally, if you were playing it on turn one, uh, it wasn't getting the best use out of it. Generally, unless your opponent like missed a blade, um, and so I, I think that the the turn one take that clinker shot that had all these aim tokens is like really cool and everything. But if you got a turn one clinker shot that was super good like you were probably already winning the game i you know um so and not to mention clinkers is more effective at the end of the turn anyways when you have not four aim tokens but 20 you know to 20 is a little bit of an exaggeration but you understand my 12 yeah it, 12 is not uncommon right like i know <laughs> I, I, and, and i think that i think that you know uh, when I say that this isn't a nerf, I think what it means is instead of I'm going to have a, a a dead aim token pile of 46 aim tokens at the end of the game instead of 50. Like, okay. Right? Um, so, whatever. Yeah, you can still play it on turn two and your opponent can still choose to either sacrifice two units at the end of the turn or just run away with their entire army. Yeah. Um, and and <laughs> like. I and I think that it's it's notable that you know with um, with fives, you know uh, this is really good. And you know I uh, there's some other things in this RRG that you know if these abilities are on certain units, it could also be very good. So um, you know I yeah yeah I think flankers is still going to be more than fine. Yeah. Oh, it's it's gonna be great. It's yeah, like we'll, we'll, <laughs> I, it's still we'll, gonna be one of the best command cards. In the, the amount game. of Definitely. times that I could have played Clankers on turn one and didn't is high in in normal games. You know, I it's generally a turn two or three play for me personally. Um, like the aim tokens on turn one are really for your strike teams most of the time, 
And and if you if you want those aim tokens, enough aim tokens to make your arc strikes viable, you're still gonna have them. Yep. All right. Speaking of arc strikes, let's move on to the points changes here. So arcs plus six points to both the full unit and the strike team. Thoughts? Necessary. So I actually take issue with half of this. I don't think the full arcs needed a bump with standby sharing leaving the table. Um, it, it, I think this full arcs derive a lot of their power behind um, being able to set up a bubble with which your opponent can't enter and shoot them. And now they, when you step forward and take a shot with your arcs, um, they can get shot, which, don't get me wrong, fair, all that, yada, yada, yada. Um, when you lose a full arc model, it gets significantly worse. It's like losing a Mando. It's a big deal. It makes the, you lose a lot of value very quickly. Without access to medics right now, um, that's a real problem for cloneless. I think, I think the arc strike bump here, I get it, needed to happen, no question. I'm... I wish it was a more juries out question on full arcs. I think this feels like a hedge to me. I don't think it needed to happen. So what are what are full arcs now with jetpacks? Because I think if we're gonna compare them to Mandos for cost, um, it might it, be it, worth looking it at. It would be eighty eight plus the gun, which is thirty one. So it'd be one nineteen. Okay. That's yeah. quick math in my head, don't quote me, but I think that's probably like about right. I think I, I, mandos are like the mandos. The way I run them was like one thirty four. To, to me, the big the like big difference flip, is that flip. you can back the mandos up with a medic, right? Right now, is, and and right. and don't get me wrong, I'm and it's a cheap medic because it's a rebel medic, it, exactly. And yeah, and yeah. you know, I yeah. it the fact that there's no way to replace a arc trooper right now without digging a bacta out of a supply drop. I think is a very big problem for running full arcs without Overwatch yes. available. Um, yeah, Windows are definitely like the better choice if you want to run like full elites like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do think I do think that you do if you do take full arcs, you probably want the jetpack um, because you can at least get yourself out of trouble if you need to, um, you know, or if you last first them as opposed to getting them. It, they're just going to play a lot differently than I think before if you do bring them. You, you can't um, leave them in the open anymore. No. You know, like, uh, like that, was your stra- that was your strategy, basically, against Kingsley, uh, Mike. You, you, put them, you put your arcs in a spot, or maybe it was a phase two. You put your phase twos in a spot that were, you know, they were overwatched, but then you had your arcs back them up, and then now your arcs, while exposed were fine because they could get themselves out if they needed to. Right, like nobody could take a shot at them even though they were in the open without getting cracked, right? And, right. And and that was one of the reasons that they were good. Um, I think without that aspect to them, I am juries out on if that they're going to... Like, like, I'm not sure you would play full arcs if there were no points changes at, at this juncture. Um hmm. I, I, maybe uh, you know. I, I think that the difference between a phase two and a Z six 
when Overwatch isn't in the equation is super different. I think if Phase Six gets a lot better, or Phase Two gets with the Z Six, with gets a, Phase Six, we're I don't even want to. I don't even want to. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what a Phase Six would look like. Right. Oh, um, and and I think that uh, yeah, I don't know. I I think it's just it's tough to justify taking in Legion generally a multi model unit that costs more than a hundred points um that loses a lot of value when it takes one or two wounds right one of the reasons that like multi-wound models that cost a lot are anywhere near takeable is that you can shoot them and they don't lose any value until they're physically removed from the board right like a luke on five wounds is is just as valuable as a luke on six wounds and and you know he can do just as much damage there there's a conversation about like potential for like putting him in risky situations and stuff like that but if you need him to do something he can do it the difference between a three model arc unit and a five model arc unit is that your arc unit is not very good anymore um i still think echo full arcs are just so amazing that's just my opinion but but echo specifically because he has native surge yeah the surge part is i think pre you know pre these points changes i actually would have just taken a regular sniper um but the reliable getting caked in because everything around them see the thing that is not being discussed here and because we're gonna we're trying to do unit by unit is that everything around them is going up like everything like you know phase twos are going up and r2d2s going up so it's not just arc troopers going up so the whole list is now i think I, th- I think someone did the quick math the other day but i think like mike's like invader league list is like is like 52 points like over 800 now with these uh, something like crazy you have to cut an activation on yeah like in the rec right. star and arc star you you just have to cut an activation like right. that, that's all there is to it our rec yeah. star is going to 10 instead of 11 and arc star is going to 9 instead of 10 and other than that they're basically the same list with overwatch traded out for offensive push yeah. um, you're basically going to cut r2d2 well i mean you might not choose to but you in theory you're cutting r2d2 in some like luxury options and you're still essentially the same list um i know that's how you feel mike because you're not you weren't really big on r2 in this kind of a list as it was um but i mean it's notable that all of those things going up kind of change arcs as a whole now that said the six point increase on the strike teams feels appropriate of course um i i still think i'll go on a limb and say that you still want three of them oh no i mean no doubt i i think even at their their higher price point um they offer too much to leave it home they do two hits through cover with Pierce one on most turns to anything in the game. Um, Including to armor. What was that? Including to armor. Including to armor. Yeah. Um, Your, your mic's a little soft, Kyle. Um, But yeah, I mean, you don't, you, if you bought three arc boxes, still don't feel bad about it. Like you're going to still get the value out of them. Um, You just got to find 18 points somewhere else, but you're still taking three arcs. Uh, should we should we hit phase twos here? Because that's the other thing that got a phase two's got a two point increase. Base unit. Yeah, this is um, 
on its face, this feels negligible. You know, two points to a unit, what's that going to do? I think grand scheme of things, though, with everything getting more expensive, this turns into a much bigger deal than it than it looks like if you kind of take it in a vacuum. Um, you know, all like you were saying, Zach, like, basically Republic lists that were running all phase twos and arcs got like 50 points more expensive. Um, and I think that this is structurally you know this builds in like another 10 points into that bubble for you know lists that were taking somewhere between three and five um which was most of basically all of the competitive ones right um right this seems like an effort to make and in addition to the phase one the, the small phase one adjustment and the bark adjustment i think i think the issue was there just didn't appear it appeared that phase two Z6s were benchmarking the faction too much, right? Literally everything was compared to this because here's a core unit with occasionally the best save because it has reliable one. It has courage two, which makes it the same courage as a special forces unit, but it's in the core slot. And it's also throwing 10 dice, not the greatest, but of course, when you're talking about clones, you have the aim sharing going on. So that, of course, makes them more accurate. And so I, I just think they were, and I mean, I even still have this argument with people on, on the main Discord today about, do you take Padme over phase two, even, even post-adjustment, because they benchmark the factions so hard. And so from my perspective, it's like, sure, maybe they should pay a little bit more because they seem to be like closer to a special forces unit in strength. I mean, that's I, just my take. I, I, I think you're... You're very right. I still, I think they still do benchmark the faction. Um, I don't. We're not gonna see phase twos go away. Um, yep. I think that there are reasons to take phase ones now um, that we haven't gotten to yet. Um, but but yeah, I mean, two points is two points of a bump is not enough for these to turn into a different unit. Right. It, it costs you an upgrade if you run five copies. But like you know, I, I'll I'll pay that tax for Courage Two because Courage Two is a hell of a drug. Well, yeah, uh, I, you, you know, like I, I think the thing that gets lost in all this is that yes, they have a training slot. Yes, they have reliable. Yes, their Z six does not function like a normal Z six. It's the Courage Two part that really emphasizes it all because they they tend to have both their actions most of the time. Right. They, they don't suffer that loss and they can also share. And, and that's important, right? Because clones are looking at this like, well, what's my problem? Well, my clones are Courage 1 and I don't have good access to Inspire. So that just kind of fuels the fire even more because now I'm going to have to take the C2 because I don't have remedies for my C1s when they get suppressed right. outside of recovering. Well, and I think... Um, I think I think the arc change is important because it colors why this change doesn't matter as much in that the the change to arcs and r2 which i'm assuming we're going to get to next um is so large that you have to cut an activation anyways and so this 10 points isn't is like i have to cut an activation anyways um which is like 50 points, the arc changes and R2 changes only fill like 30 points of that void and another 10 like cuts into it a little more, but it's not enough 
to radically alter like i'm not going to take phase twos um right you'll take one less phase one and still run the same number of twos exactly right you're this yeah. means you're you're running one less naked phase one in these meta lists that we've seen as opposed to you know but the thing is you're not doing that because of phase twos you're doing that because of the arc bump the fact that it covers the phase two bump too is just kind of like a cake and eat it too sort of scenario um, right i have to drop an activation anyway it just happens that i have this much overhead to work with yeah it's just the yeah. arc changes were so substantial that like you can't cut upgrades from these lists to cover it yeah i do think that it's possible and before we get it to r2 let's let's hit the phase one changes real quick because I, they're kind of related and i think it's possible that instead of like five to six phase twos in a list maybe you see three to four Plus yeah. maybe a couple more phase ones, some of them potentially with heavy weapons, which was not something that you did before in a competitive list. So um, yeah, so the next the next thing here is that basically all of the phase weapons got cuts from minus two to, I don't know what the largest one is. DC but... 15 went down from 30 to 27, I think. Okay, so basically two to three points on all the phase two, phase one weapons. Um, do you guys think this makes the phase two versus phase one conversation a little more interesting. Now it's a 14 to 15 point gap instead of 10. So it does for me um, as someone that plays Obi-Wan, um, you know, I sent a list earlier when we were discussing what to talk about for, you know, competitive lists and it's something we'll get to later, but since we're on the topic, might as well bring it up, right? My Rex Nobi list was essentially Obi-Wan Rex R2, four phase twos and two snipers. Now how all of these points like interact and with R2, which again, we'll get to, he goes up in points and R2 by himself at 35, I didn't really like an agar list as much in 45 just makes it kind of different. So what I do is basically I take R2D2 out, I add a third strike team and then I cut those two phase twos in aggressive tactics and I slot into DC 15 phase ones. So instead of having four phase twos and I have a two phase twos and two phase ones, but I keep the bones of the army and what I mean by that is I still have four heavy weapons backed up with snipers, a, a support piece in Rex and Kenobi with barrier and force push, which, so like the bones of the list changes, I shouldn't say this, like the exoskeleton of the list changes, but the, the like bones of the list actually stays the same. It's just, you have to find a way to shuffle them around. Now for someone that's running arc star or rec star, yeah, you're probably going to still see a lot of phase twos and maybe like a, a phase one heavy sprinkled in. Um, but those lists will have more flexibility. Um, I do think that the most interesting thing about the phase ones is do you give them a heavy weapon, which now took cuts, or do you keep them and put like portable scanners or, or something else that can beef up your other units around them? It depends on how you're running your army. I think it also depends on if you have a source of inspire. Um, if you think that your your unit's going to get shot, like a phase one unit's going to get shot often, and you think they're going to take suppression, I think that changes the math quite a bit too. Like the DC 15 at 27 is is really a great spot, I think, because it's a range four gun with critical one that has aims behind it a lot of the times. And you can kind of use them to poke and prod and if they're poking and prodding, um, 
let's say they're moving and shooting effectively at like range five, right? And you and you're keeping them from being shot and taking that suppression. The phase one situation is not as bad. And I put bad in quotes because it's, I mean, phase ones are still really good. It's just, again, they're benchmarked by phase twos. But I think the points drop is really good. I think the DP 23 being 23 points as a range two Pierce gun, I know it's range two, but if you're playing like a barrier Kenobi, I really think you want to consider the DP 23 at 23. That is a cheap, that is a cheap Pierce option on a red saving unit, in my opinion. Did the DP go down? Yeah, wow. I think it did. So it was what twenty six, twenty six before. So that, that took a three point drop too. Down wow. to twenty three. Yeah. So you should absolutely run a shotgun captain, one hundred percent. I mean, it's worth noting that it's still a seventy plus unit that has to close to range too. Well, not if well, not if you have clinkers with fives. That's <laughs> well, just sure, my sure, feeling. Sure, yeah. that's that's fair. I, I mean, yeah. I just like you know. I think I think if you're the thing is when you're clankering, you generally want to be shooting at range four anyways. Like it's fair. You know, I. The range three clanker shots are fine, but they're generally you, you, like like kind of like money in the you know gas in the tank. Yeah, so you can speak. still pull off some absolutely ridiculous fire supports, but that's okay. Yeah, no, totally. Um, so yeah. uh, I think the phase two, phase one thing is actually uh, a little bit more complicated. Um, I think that uh, so I I want to so first of all I I think you guys are right in that Rexstar Arcstar probably still running phase twos. I I think that. On, on its face, the main difference here as a mainline Republic player is um, a pure clone gun line still really wants to have the, you know, three plus saves across the board. Um, I think that the drop to phase ones specifically allows you to run the more expensive heroes. Like you can, you can crack a really good nine, 10 activation list that is reminiscent of like, um, the old like Luke lists um, where it was like gunline Luke, except it's like gunline Kenobi or gunline Anakin, um, which I think is important. It, it has yet to be seen if those lists will be good enough. We'll see. Um, I think the, um, I would like to draw a, a price point comparison here between phase twos and phase ones, because I actually think to me, the combination of, the discounts to specialists and discounts to heavies when you when you put them together is actually a bigger portion of this conversation so a phase two trooper with a z6 and offensive push presently is 93 points at its new price point um a phase one uh trooper with a z6 captain and offensive push is also 93 points um this is important because they can do the exact same thing uh with clankers um, except the phase one actually has an extra die so that you can continue to up the hits on it. Additionally, on the turn that you need it, it you can basically say, I'm not suppressed because you have the captain. You can you can make it so that it's impossible to suppress them unless you panic them. Um, yeah, that's so, dope. So on that <laughs> turn, the they are better than a phase two. It's also worth noting that the captain has additional utility when you're like dealing with objectives and stuff, and they're like, hey, I need to grab this VAP. Um or or something you can you can tap them and be like well i get two actions this turn suck it right and so i think that um it's more of a conversation there like uh you know clearly you lose reliable right that's a big deal but reliable for an extra die offensively that's a decent trade you know you also you also lose a permanent courage too as opposed to a temporary one but 
you probably don't need to pump a captain more than once or twice a game anyways um unless you're like getting held down by a mortar or something right hope hope you brought force push yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it goes burning the evaporator you also get an extra body, right? It's five wins versus six. Yeah, exactly. exactly. You're more durable. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, I, you know, um, part of me thinks between, like, like the fact that fives basically just goes in every Republic list now because he, he triggers aggressive tactics an extra time every turn, you know. Um, I, I think that you there is a, more reasons to take phase ones than... at these comparison points when you're talking about gaining access to training slots and stuff like that is it going to be a surefire thing i don't know but i know that um an 11 die take that clinker shot with 20 aim tokens behind it is like better than a 10 die one um so it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out um in team league i ran a version of uh because we could only take three phase twos i was running a phase one with a captain and offensive push anyways. And I was actually really impressed with it. Uh, you know, I, I think this might be a situation where you're like, okay, normally I take five phase twos with offensive push. I'm going to take three and two of these captains to ensure my take that clankers goes off the turn. I need it, you know, um, we'll see. But I think that, I think you, it's not going to be Republic leaving Phase Ones on the on the shelf anymore. So go buy your specialist packs if you haven't already, because it sounds like you might need some. <laughs> oh man, I, you know, just that was, one a good, more... that was a good commercial. I love it. It was no, it's great. It, I'm, I'm stoked. There's there's one thing I'm pointing out before we move on here, is Kyle Kyle's always been monikered as the soulless but effective player, and what I distinguished here. In, in that little little rant and in, in infomercial that Mike just gave us is when when he brought up the eleven die take that clankers with twenty aims, it, it now now gives me the moniker that Mike is the soulless degenerate but effective, and he he has now stolen that title from Kyle, but he's also taken it to a whole nother level. Um, and I just wanted to point that out. He's turned it I, I from just, ten up to eleven. Exactly. Um, I just love that when. Like there's sometimes I stop talking and and you can tell by Zach's tone of voice he feels like I'm degenerate as all hell. And I love it. <laughs> hey, I love it. Hey, listen, I, I I love when you go on these little rants. I love and I love how disgusting some of the stuff that you just said was. It, it actually has. I'm like laughing so much I have tears. And and, and that's why you know we mute ourselves just because it's easier to edit. But I'm over here just like dying when you say some of this stuff. It's great. I love it. Well, and you heard it here first, folks. An eleven dice shot is better than a ten dice shot. There you go. Nothing I mean, but the hardest super, hitting analysis. It's super insightful. So, to be fair, you guys Depends are making fun of, of me. The it, it like yeah, yeah. that's not always true. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, that's also I know. true. Uh, I mean, all right, it's more true when they're all hits. I mean, you don't roll all hits. <laughs> well, and when the I dice pool is essentially the same too, right? Like yeah, you're totally. You're literally just taking the same pool and adding a black dice on top of it. So. You know what? Let's get Phase One's marksman. Make it even more gross. Hell yeah! You mean you mean All they right. don't have sharpshooter? What? So, in, speaking <laughs> of ISF, we do have to actually get to Empire on the show today. So uh, um, we told you this was going to be like an eight-hour ordeal. To uh-huh. get to yeah, yeah. And you were yeah. like, no, 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 no. Ordeal. Yeah, exactly. It's an ordeal. Uh, I got to go to work tomorrow. So I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> like, stop, stop yakking. Um, so. Let's re- real quick, well, maybe not real quick, let's hit the last increase. 
and then there's a couple minor decreases. So R2D2 plus 10 points. Uh, still amazing when you take 3PO. Uh, still good if you actually bothered to run ATRTs, you degenerates. Well, hang on. So those are important qualifiers though, right? You just made yeah. two very important conditional statements there. Yes. True. When you take 3PO and or when you run ATRTs. I don't think by himself in a random, like just randomly as an extra act in like the trooper spam, I think those days are over at yeah. 45. It, at least for Republic. I, I think yeah. that you can maybe justify it for Rebels still. Um, yes. Because they have a lot of extra like emptiness that they can fill. You know, yeah, a bunch they, of other things got cut too in Rebels, so there's more room for it. Yeah. Uh, but I think uh, with... How how expensive everything is? Like R two is the first thing I'm cutting. Yeah. Uh, Same. I don't know. I mean, it's 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 a weird thing to say about a unit that has an extra win condition, but R two, at least for me, and I think Mike probably kind of felt this way, is that sometimes it felt like you were taking a square piece and putting it into a round peg, or, and you were trying to make something that necessarily didn't fit in what you were trying to do work. And of course it worked. It's an extra win condition. I'm not saying it was like a horrible, I'm not saying that, you know, you were twisting the knife into my arm saying I need to take R2-D2. Um, obviously the, the caveat was he was 35 points, 50 with, you know, 3PO, extra win condition, all those things. Um, but when you're talking 18 extra points for arcs, you know, an extra eight points for phase twos, aggressive tactics goes up. R2 goes up 10, which effectively now makes him a 60-point unit if you're bringing him, you know, bringing him with 3PO. That's a lot of points. And I just I just think effectively for something that's not trying to do what the the rest of the army is trying to do, you just kind of ax him. And and you just it's it's a, a hard, it's a hard thing because again, it's that win condition, but it's also an easy thing because your list doesn't have this random operative token in it. And uh, it's a give and a take, right? It is. I think so for me, this comparison is like, um, I'm going to make a magic comparison that I imagine a lot of viewers can relate to. Um, clones play very similarly to a tribal deck in magic where you're like playing pirates or elves or, or whatever, where um, when you, when you draw a card, it a synergizes with everything you're doing and, b has like a pretty um like you can count on it to be a very um consistent effect and that's how clones kind of play too and i think that with the the in, in tribal deck sometimes you'll just play a busted card in it because it's good enough i think that we're at the point now where r2 is no longer good enough to offset the fact that it's not part of that tribe um in in clones uh you just you need the points and r2 just does not do enough for you on his own i think even with 3po he's probably not <clears throat> not enough in a clone list or 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 he's not worth the 60 points at this point now by that do you mean by a clone list do you mean a rex list or just a republic list period in other words like what contexts would you now take r2 and so, or 3PO in for Republic. I, I think um, right now, at least competitively, we have only seen at, at this stage, and maybe this is going to change eventually, lists that 
emphasize the clone trooper keyword and saturate as much as possible with units that are clone trooper keywords. Like even even the lists that run Kenobi still rely on clone trooper to you know make some gains in the efficiency category. And I and I think that R2 is too expensive to be really doing that anymore. Um, like the, the eight point difference is the difference between is like the phase two cost. Right. Um, I think, I think there's, there's still lists that will want him though, to be fair. I think that there are, I mean, an idea that I've, I've kind of messed around with is an, is a Padme field commander saber tank kind of list. And I think R2 3PO kind of fits that because I, well, you know what, here's, here's how it goes. I think Padme kind of wants R2-D2 and C-3PO because it boosts what Padme wants to do for the army. Um, like it basically, you just will feed her the tokens, right? You'll, you'll use R2 and 3PO to feed her extra tokens that she can then feed the clone army. So she's basically circumventing the clone trooper word with, with um, exemplar and she's doing it with quick thinking and she's doing it with, you know, um, calculate the odds from the droids, right? I could see a case for that. The issue is, is do you want to take Padme for 90 and R2-D2 and 3PO for 60, essentially 150, or do you want to bring other stuff for 150? Um, I believe that lists will make Padme work, and if Padme works, then maybe the droids work with them. I just don't know. Um, I do think there's, an, you know, I do think the Sabre Tank with Field Commander and that kind of like synergy works because R2 can also heal your saber tanks. Right. So I'm not, I, I don't, I just don't think you'll see him in a lot of lists like you would before pretty much all lists. Right. It was like, like a 95% yeah, I mean, run rate. Like way too common. Yeah. 98% we'll call it like run rate. Now it's going to drop significantly, but I do think there's places for him and it might, it might be alongside Padme. Yeah. My issue with him alongside Padme specifically is it's it in my experience been a little bit of a non-bow in that I generally want my Padme Padme to be taking standby tokens and I think that that's even more the case now and calculate odds does not synergize with that very well um, in that it that, that suppression token will knock the standby off if you haven't used it um, now clearly if you've got good order control you can mitigate that um, but it kind of it's it's like a little bit of a it's like a push and a pull because you want those face up order tokens to trigger aggressive tactics across your army and you don't really want to be putting them on padme and r2 so like it, i don't know um i definitely think it's possible i do think that the most likely place that we're going to see r2 in republic list right now is with a saber tank um and i think i think i mean like 45 points add four wounds to my super beefy saber tank is really good yeah, and you don't have to take Padme in those lists, right? You could just take a saber with field commander and R2 and a bunch of clones. Or two sabers. R2 is the commander. Right, exactly. You know? And you just take R2's cards and then the generic cards. And uh, that's that's a legit list now. We'll get to the field commander changes probably when we talk about separatists because that's who I think it's most relevant for at the moment. But uh, yeah, you can run two sabers now without a commander if you want. <laughs> um so two other cuts I want to hit here. Obi-Wan Kenobi, five points. 
Zach. Thank you for my five point. Uh, thank you for my five point force push is how I look at it, basically. You know, um, well, or or five point barrier. You know what I mean? Yeah, it clears the it clears you some room to take um, barrier barrier push. I, I mean, it should be noted he's still 170 points, and with upgrades, he's still a lot of points, and he's yeah. he's in an army that costs a lot more points. Yes, you know, today than it did a week ago. So, um, but I mean, hey, <laughs> I'm not gonna complain about it. <laughs> Yeah, don't, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Yeah, I, I do think that this, like, combined with the phase one changes can really helps to serve to make that um, Luke-style gun line I was talking about more uh, more of a reality. You know, you're talking about, you know, two or three points on each phase one unit, and you're talking about five points on Kenobi. You can eke out a bunch of cool upgrades now in that list um, that you couldn't before. And I think that that's not nothing yeah that's cool this feels like a um you know hey everyone i'm sorry that you're not rex here's five points <laughs> yeah and i also think that to some degree uh i mean it, it kind of brings him in anakin i still think anakin's probably not great but whatever um, like it price point wise it makes it more of a like what's your What's your flavor as opposed to like, um, you know, here's a, here's a 180 point forest user or here's a 161, you know, I'm taking, I'm taking, no, it'd be one. Yeah. I was going to say it makes me want times over Anakin if I have to choose between the two. It makes the decision even easier for me is is essentially, or I I, I I go spicy and bring both, you know, that's, that's I, I just, I think that it's, it's it's good that they're closer in points. Yep. All right. Good for you, Obi Wan. Five points. Here you go. Uh, not a super controversial change, I don't think. Bark speeder minus fifteen. Weapons also got cut. I mean, maybe. Notably, they did not make it a clone trooper. <laughs> oh geez. Oh geez. Um, okay. All right. The most. So actually, uh, the most important part of the bark cut is actually the speeder keyword changing um and speeder changed where you have the option of using that free compulsory move at the start or at the end of the activation i'm, I'm not looking at it directly in front of me but i'm pretty sure that's what the distinction was it's at the start or at the end of your activation so the thing about speeder and any kind of speeder right is that they're they're basically they're always moving and essentially for the most part they're always moving away from your army um so the good thing about this change is that let, let's say your bark is in a position to kind of like move shoot and then kind of take like a left turn or like a right turn and and get to a safer spot than it would just be zooming through to try and like double move for like a compulsory and like into a shot or something like that i think the the points the points drop on both the core unit well, not the core unit, but the unit itself and the guns and the compulsory change make it a good fire support platform. Um, I do think you're going to see them competitively way more than you did before because way more before <laughs> was there was zero of them. Um, so it's not for me. I will not be playing Barks still. I, I do think that someone out there will make Barks work, though. Like, I do think that these changes might be enough to... to have their place in a list um 
I don't know. I, I still think, I still think the issue is that they're a little squishy at five health and, you know, yeah, they have cover, but sharpshooter can eat them up. Um, I, I still think it's not doing what the army wants to do, despite those changes, if that makes any sense. I still think someone, I think there's players out there that can make barks work. And I'm not saying that they couldn't make them work before, but the points and the way speeder worked really handicapped you. Um, now there's more room for, uh, you know, room for play here, I think. Um, so I'm going to, I'm actually going to take, go out on a little bit of a hot take here. I think, um, barks in a vacuum might actually be the best speeder bike in the game. Um, that's fair. <laughs> I, I, whether they're going to be good enough to overcome the cost of the faction and, and all of that, I think remains to be seen. It's worth noting that the bark is a red die speeder, red defense die speeder with cover that costs 75 points that throws seven dice that does not lose a model after it takes three wounds and surges to hit and surges to hit. I, you know, I'm, I think that there's there's play there um you know it definitely it was way too expensive before i think it's it's reasonable now i think i think it's reasonable to attempt to build a list that does not rely on the clone trooper keyword um whether it's good enough to usurp lists that do again question mark but i think that i, I mean if, if speeders are good um i think that there's a place um and again, I think going back to the R2 conversation, um, if that sort of list exists, R2 is also going to be good there. Um, but, and, and I think the speeder change helps, Zach, like you were saying, but I think the big thing is that like 75 points for a speeder bike unit is, is like the right place, it feels like-ish. And this is one that has more offensive dice when it attacks and it doesn't... Um, it, it doesn't ever lose its dice, which I think is a big deal. Um. Yeah, Staps are a great speeder unit at 73. You know, and they have six dice, but they're made of peanut brittle. And when they take three wounds, it's down to three dice, which is... They might as well lot. be dead at that point. Yeah, right, yeah, exactly. Like, they're is the hardly worth anything after yeah. one model goes down. And, and and the thing that I find about Staps is, that, like, if you shoot at them, they just, like, if you intentionally are like, I'm going to shoot that unit, like, you're just, you're going to kill it, right? It's it's not like a B1 unit that has, like, A wounds because you took the extra dude, right? I don't know. Um, yeah. This, I mean, this, well, I was going to say, no, go say the main difference, though, is that they have coordinate and they, they fit what the army's doing. Yeah. Right. It, it's, it's a question of whether these synergize with what the rest of the army is doing. I agree. I, thought, I was going to say, like, this also makes the rotary RT for clones look like trash, like, by comparison. Because it doesn't really do much different. It's I mean, just more dice for cheaper. It doesn't really do much different. I, I still mean, think you take, if you're taking clone ATRTs, you're doing one of two things. You're taking them naked because mm -hmm. you're just trying to fill, like, a, a fire support platform, or you're taking a flamer because you play in, like, a droid, like, yeah, you're like trying to kill droids. I think I, bark speeders replace the 
rotary rt i, I 75. yeah abs i think it like pretty much no question i don't think it's particularly close yeah um, <laughs> i mean i think if armor meant more um that might not be the case but we live in a world where you know criticals are not that hard to come by um and it sort of is what it is mm. so like I don't think armor on the ATRT keyword is keeping it alive in the list that you need it to. At least not more than the bark. You can also start a bark out of range of whatever tactical strike is going to do and then double move it in, which is nice. Sure, sure. And still shoot. Anyway, anyway. I know you say sure because, you know, I mean, that's a whole other discussion. What's what's the bark, triple bark list called? Who let the dogs out? Uh, don't even. Oh boy! All right. Yes, that that's is crazy. exactly what it is called. And it's called right. Rex. Rex walks the dogs. Is what it's. All right. Called. You know what? I'll just start calling it the Baja Men because nobody will actually get that reference, which is who actually sings that song. So. All right. So, before we hit Empire, let's real quick just kind of to round this out. How do we assess the balance of these changes? And by that I mean not like game balance. I mean the the whole of these changes. Uh, how does it affect the the Republic faction overall? And I, just real quick, like, quick hit, hot take before we uh, move on to Empire. They are still potentially top dog. And the only thing I could see overtaking them as top dog might be droids right now. And that's for a, a discussion next week. But I still think that clones are supremely viable. These nerfs hit them. I mean, I made that joke about hitting them with a bat. They got hit by a bat and they st they can still get up and swing. So, like, um, they're in a good spot despite the changes. I think the the biggest winners of all these changes are people who are just buying in because their core box got a lot better. Like your core box in Rex is now close to good. Yeah, I I think that um, we're gonna see a diversity within the faction at every level that is important um i i don't think the competitive lists are going to look much different outside of the training slot will have a different four point upgrade in it for the most part um and maybe it takes a couple phase one with with captains but i don't expect the competitive scene to be anything but rex moving forward still I think you could see Obi-Wan barrier dodge sharing lists that you basically just can't kill be a thing. Maybe. We'll see. Take that clankers is a is a tough thing to leave behind. But... Or bring both. I mean that Rex's kit is just super good. You know, he it can is. he can, can sort of both. flex like a force user due to call me captain. Um, yeah. A little bit. Um He's he... he's he's easily the best quote unquote range support commander against aggressive units yeah he, he can line back is really the yeah. reason that he you know right. he can he can kind of be a pseudo linebacker which is a big deal that's something that most gun lines are missing all right let's move on to the empire so empire got a lot of points changes no sort of explicit you know overall rules changes like republic got but some of these points changes are very significant let's start with Let's start with Mike's favorite Sith Lord, Darth Vader. Both Vaders got cut by 15 points. 
<laughs> yeah. So that's a uh, lot. <laughs> I mean, it it is. Um, man, uh, there's a lot I want to say about Empire. It's hard to say any of it until we kind of like look at it as a whole. Um, I if if you told me Darth Vader got cut by 15 points and nothing else changed, I would say great we're still in a bad place um i don't think darth vader the unit changes a ton with a 15 point cut specifically the commander um with that being said um i i think that along with all the rest of the changes we're going to talk about today this is a big deal um we're probably going to see darth vader on the table um, I, I specifically think Operative Vader is in a much better place. Um, Commander Vader, maybe? He's still really slow. It's hard to make up for a Speed 1 unit um, that has trouble uh, engaging. So Speed 1 melee unit. Yes, Speed 1 melee unit specifically. Because Pal- Palpatine is also Speed 1, but he does not have quite the same issues um, getting involved. I- it's it's worth noting that I could see like uh, an attempt at like a dark commander Vader, uh, gunline list that has like a linebacker IRG and and barrier instead of saber throw. Um, I don't know if it would be good, just because like it's really hard to justify Vader's points cost when you're not swinging his lightsaber. Um, it's just like if you're not meleeing things with him, it's not good. Um, I mean. What are your thoughts on, like, pairing Commander Vader up with the Dubak that also took a 15-point cut? Uh, we'll see. Um, I think the Dubaks are in a jury's-out situation that the Barks are in. <clears throat> I think I think if Dubaks are good, it's in a Vader list um, because they have a suppression problem that did not get fixed in this rules update. Um, right. You put them in an army with us where suppression doesn't matter because Darth Vader... Like, they can't panic. I mean, suppression matters, mind you, but they yeah. can't panic, which is a, a big deal, which is why I think, you know, it's why I brought it up here because you were talking about Commander Vader. I could see that being a thing, um, potentially. Yeah, I think the issue is that I, I don't think it's quite enough. I think they sort of need Vader's command bubble and they need compel in order to be um, viable. Whether, whether or not those things have gotten cheap enough alongside dewbacks to work again question mark but um the courage too on these guys is like not great when they have to spur to get where they're going um and like you hit them with a mortar and they're kind of ko'd uh a lot of the time so let's 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 talk about dewbacks at the same time uh because they did also get a 15 point cut and then all their weapons also got a five point cut, so you can get a flame do back for ninety points. Yeah, it's 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 real good. Um, I think when I sort of like just to make the bark comparison, I think these guys are sort of in the in the speeder bike category, and that I'm not sure that they're quite cheap enough to get there yet. Um, Armor one is pretty similar to cover one. Um, they have an extra health over the the bark but are much slower when they're suppressed um and their gun is unless they close to melee is just not good um so 
Although they do have the longest flamethrower range of any unit with a flamethrower. No, no doubt. By I mean, like I, a lot. Like like new ways to motivate them um, into three dewbacks with flamethrowers charging is super interesting. Um, I think the fact that you are don't have access to strict orders there is a kind of a big deal. Um, I think ironically, the it's the biggest downfall for the dewback is just the model. Like they are impossible to kind of hide, right? Like you need buildings for them to like hide, but if they're behind a building, they're not. Then they're probably not in a place to kind of make like a a straight line. They don't necessarily have to take a straight line, but the best thing for a unit that's trying to get into melee, right, is to tr- is to find the quickest route, and you're going to have a time where you're basically trying to hide the model and find the quick route. And it's just not going to happen just because, and that that's probably the biggest downfall is that they're going to be easy for your opponent to shoot in a lot of situations. Probably. Yeah. I mean, I think it depends on what you're doing with them. If you're doing, if you're going new ways route, like you really don't care if you can hide them, you just charge into the enemy lines and hope they do enough damage. I think um, most of the time, like, I don't know, maybe you don't do it on turn one, but you can, I think you can charge, like battle lines deployment, you get new ways to motivate into an enemy unit, even if they haven't moved yet. Um, pr- as long as you set up your dues back, do back properly. Uh, and it's assuming, not quite that far, but it's really far. Yeah, it's it's like it's very close. It's more so than twenty. We, it's more than range three. It's more than twenty inches. So something we haven't looked at or mentioned yet is that you can take a tenacity jammer do back for eighty four. Like that's pretty good deal, actually. Yeah, and I think that it's worth mentioning that I th- still think the flamer, like, I think we talked about this a long time ago. I think the flamer is a little bit of a trap. Its melee weapon is, like, pretty close most of the yeah. time. Yeah, tenacity um, do back melee is savage. Yeah, and. Really good. Like, what, what, it's seven dice, right? Yeah, it's like four. It's it's almost maul. It's like four red, three white with critical two suppressive. Yeah, so. Like, it's, it's not like, bad. <laughs> no, it's not. And it's just like, you have to hit a unit, you have to charge be shooting a unit with more than four models to make the flamer worth it right yeah Um, and this does it to anything with no requirement like that right right it doesn't it doesn't shoot two dice at one model yeah you know so um, it throws its max pool all the time and uh it's got ram too right i think uh no no they don't have ram they just have the spur But it's well, relentless. It, it, well, the, the, you get the, ram, you get spur. This is fair. But but still, like, <laughs> but still, if you if you're wounded, right, four red and three white with hit surge is not terrible. Yeah, no. Totally. Think, the other pools similar. Vibrosword BXs are similar. They're not. It's stronger, but it's you know it's similar. But you don't pay eighty four. You pay like a hundred plus. It's critical two in melee too, right? Yeah. Yeah, critical yeah. two. Yeah. yeah. It's th- their melee weapon's great. It's a lightsaber without the pierce. Yeah, and know? it's eighty four. They're cheaper than shores. You know, they're they're not terrible, and they also don't take any. They actually gain attack dice when they take damage. So it's like you know, maybe you feel pretty good about this. Maybe you do run it with Op Vader. You know, who knows? Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Um, I think that let's I let's get to some of the other points changes, and then I think we can circle back to what Empire is likely to look like. Um, because yeah, I think a lot of these are related, actually. Yeah, it's really it's really hard to talk about all of these. Empire probably the most out of all the factions. I think is very difficult to talk about because I think the landscape of what a good empire list looks like is significantly different 
um, after all of these changes. Well, and there's sort of a category. Let's just talk about all these things together. It's easier to do it this way. So there's sort of a category of empire lists. There's really two that got cuts in this update, and that is Sith-based lists. So that's Vader and Palpatine. And then the supporting cast for those lists, especially Vader, because Vader's so selfish with orders as stormtroopers. And then potentially dewbacks because dewbacks have such good synergy with new ways to motivate them. So Palpatine also got cut by 10 points. Stormtrooper heavies got cut by anywhere from two to six points. The DLT 19 was two points. And then all the way through the HH 12 was six points. Snowtroopers got cut by four points. So those are all kind of related changes because you're you're running Vader with storms and or snows and or dewbacks, and you're also running Palpatine. You know, you can certainly run a Palpatine shore list, but now, you know, you can also do sort of like a more throwback Palpatine list where you have storms and snows also. Well, it yeah. should be noted that shore troopers went up too. Shore troopers went up what, um, because the T21B went up three points and mortars went up two points. So yep. running Palpatine, so sure, Palpatine gets the cut, right? He, he Palpatine goes down by five, but if you're running ten. him with sh- oh, 10, sorry, 10. Wow. Geez. I thought it was five this whole time. T- 10 is really, <laughs> 10 is really freaking good. That, I love that, Palpatine. that is basically free force barrier. Um, that's just, just the way to look at it. Yep. You know, um, I think what, what they did here is right. You, you take the shores and you bump them up just a little bit. You take the, the storms and you lower them just a little bit and you in, you entice the Palpatines and the Vader list to take those stormtroopers more than those shores. And it essentially probably benefits those kinds of lists more anyways because of the way you want orders, at least specifically Vader, the way order, like you said, order control you know issue. Well, not order control issues, but the shores are order hungry because of target. Um, so, I mean, if you were running Palpatine with shores, your list is going to look different today than it did it last week. Let's put it that way. I mean, you're basically putting in barrier and you're going to figure out your core from there, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, so I think we're going to see a lot less shores, a lot more stormtroopers, a lot more snowtroopers, like you were saying. I think that that really informs a lot of the Imperial meta. And I also want to address vehicles because I actually think that they got a significant drop in the ATST and the, um, the tank. Um, and we, I'm going to talk about the tank in a minute because it's got some very radical changes that changed a lot of things, um, that make it more of a wombo combo unit than, uh, than a, like, so, you know, anchor. Um, so, but I think, uh, I'm, I think the shore, Mortar changes, I'm not a fan of. Um, I don't think Empire was really... The Empire lists that were running Shores and Mortars were very good anymore. Um, It's questionable on whether the standby changes changed that, but um, I don't know. I'm not not sold on that change. But I think the drop to Storms further reinforces... um, removing them from any situation that you are not actively abusing target um you know if i don't think that entire legion is enough to to promote taking shores over storms for the most part 
Um, I think I think you really need to be in a situation where you're handing out a ton of orders, probably with some Gideon-esque thing with coordinate to trigger aggressive tactics in a Veers chronic list to make sure is what they what they were. And I'm not sure I'm not sure that list will exist anymore um, due to the fact that it has a problem with linebacker units generally. And, and dies to things that have force choke. So, um, which is a meta thing that once we wrap this whole kit and caboodle up, we can talk about. Um, so that's to say that I think stormtroopers are what they should be, and that is in every empire list ever. Um, which is when somebody puts an empire list across from the table from you, it should have stormtroopers in it. I don't care. Like, I don't know. Like, if, you do, if you're doing like a themed scarif thing, like, do your thing, but... Um, an empire without stormtroopers is no empire at all. Um, <laughs> I mean, in, an, in, in another like vein of what you're bringing up with these with these stormtroopers and, and on these drops, I, I do think that there's one thing that's being that that would go unsaid, basically because we're we're talking about them in like in like a vacuum and we're talking about points and, and synergies with the army, but we're gonna see the meta shift and stormtrooper dlt might see kind of like a resurgence potentially because we might see a lot of armor going forward um i mean you mentioned the tank and the atst getting drops we'll talk next week about the you know the um air speeder and land speeder well the land speeder blocks it with cover i guess but and the air speeder can too but i still think there's a place for impact going forward especially where they took a price cut a little bit um i mean the route hold on the Stormtrooper DLT is not what it was two years ago, mind you. But I, I do think today it's more viable than it was a week ago. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and, and I also think that um, when we're talking about core units that are just like fundamentally doing things that, and they're not like, you know, cl clones and shores are very similar in that they're super order hungry. They want to be triggering aggressive tactics. All the, and and like they're the focus of your army. Storms can do things without being the focus of your army, and they're only sixty six points now. You know you can take six of them, and they're what three eighty ish. They're sub they're sub four hundred, um, and and that builds you a, a pretty big core. You don't have to take six of them clearly, but I think that um, they've they've kind of crossed the threshold from being too expensive to being just efficient enough that they they are an, a, a good take um do we want to talk about the uh the vehicles here uh yeah yeah so both the atst and the tank got minus 10 points so the atst is now 160 points base Yes, uh, um, which is which is great. I think I think the ATSC is probably um, it's more viable just because you can take a bunch of stuff around it now too. Like the stormtroopers being cheaper also helps support the ATST in that you can have more pieces surrounding it that do things. Um, and then that's that's yep. good for the game because it is totally because what happens is is you go from being able to ignore the armor piece, like an ATST or a tank or an AAT and stuff like that. We're getting to a point where you actually cannot ignore armor pieces because 
there's so much insulating those armor pieces that if you try to kill all of those things insulating you, that armor piece is going to eat you up before you can kill all of the things around it, right? Like the thing about the ATST previously was that the things insulating it were kind of watered down, right? Because of how the points worked out and how the army was functioning. It was kind of a watered down product, right? Whereas now it's gained more weight. So like if, if sure, you want to shoot all of, you know, the stormtroopers in that list, that's fine. You're not going to kill them all now because there's more things in that list as there was beforehand. And that ATSD just got a free hammers pilot. If I'm going to keep on using that analogy, right? It just got a free hammers pilot and it's going to punch you in the face for six rounds. And you probably can't, you probably cannot like outweight the ATSD anymore, for an example. And I think that's the case for most armor pieces going forward right now. Um, again, we're trying to focus on the, on, you know, just the two factions, but like the armor pieces going forward, I'm not saying we're going to go to a heavy armor skew, but when you do see armor, you probably can't go at it with the same strategy you did before. Yeah, I also think that uh, before we, we move on to the occupier, because that's a different story entirely, um, the ATSD just like you can take Veer's five storms with heavies and meta and like a couple Astros and three strike teams and a fully loaded ATSD. Like it's it, it's totally doable now, um, which I think is super reasonable. Um, I th- moving to the occupier though. <laughs> so so this is this is kind of a, a change to open transport um where you can now shoot out of the back of an open open transport vehicle um this is important for a variety of reasons uh clearly uh the rebels have an open transport too but um the uh occupier can carry a whole unit <laughs> uh and what that means is I think that there are two supremely good candidates for putting in your occupier. The first is the e-web, which doesn't see a ton of play, but parking your e-web in the occupier and having like two, you know, uh, six dice guns coming out of it is pretty good. Um, the other version of it that I think, uh, may actually see a ton of play is the Palpmobile. Uh, <laughs> like, turn one, give into your anger, like, double move the tank and just shred your opponent's list from, from inside inside the tank. I, I don't know. Uh, what, what thoughts? So I, I think that you cannot shoot if it double moves. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, yeah, there's a... Hold on, let me bring it up. I don't know. We, I'd have yeah, to look yeah. at it. There's we a lot of changes. Like, like something else that uh, on the E-Web is I'm pretty we, sure it loses fixed. So not crawl. only is the E-Web shooting out of the, the tank, but it's not fixed anymore, so it can shoot any direction, if I'm not mistaken. We could uh, let me bring like up the rules. An, we could devote half an episode to this, to the transport changes, honestly. <laughs> it's just so extensive. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> right now. Okay. I do think it's probably too expensive to fit in a palp list. I don't yeah. know, man. Practically I, I, speaking, I think a palp delivery system is. I'm topically, it looks kind of gimmicky, no doubt, but it's much. It's it, it could be a thing. The, I think. the problem with 
the problem is you can now you can shoot the unit in it directly. Now you're you're not getting two for one anymore. So the the previous rule was if you shoot an open transport and you cause a wound to that open transport, the unit inside automatically takes a wound, which was like devastating for Palpatine because, you know, he's a unit with a low wound count, but a high save whose, whose wounds are individually extremely valuable. So anytime you're just taking like a, a free straight, no save wound, that's terrible. So this is still better. But like you can still shoot Palpatine directly. Like if you can see the tank, you can shoot Palpatine. So he's not as easy to hide. Um, it's a little bit faster, I guess. You know, you can do some super early and now you will die. But like just as someone that actually has played a fair amount of Palpatine, like rushing to the and now you will die has like even if you can do that, it's it's not great for Palpatine to just be like out in front of everything by himself to, to be to be clear that if this is good it's not good in how kyle dornbos likes to play emperor yes, Palpatine, right like like this is this is good for how you know the the aggro players right like this yeah. is yes. this is good for people that just want to drop the hammer on their opponent and and go to town and and I'm, it might not be good. It might be total trash. Who knows? But it's something that you could do that you can't do, couldn't do before. And I don't know. It's wild. It's wild. It, it, it's <laughs> it's like cinematic. You know, Palp just it like is. in the in the back of a tank, just like lightning the enemy army into oblivion. You know. Uh, so plus, so, I want to see a conversion where someone actually takes a clear plastic bubble. And puts it on top of the occupier, and then puts Palpatine inside it. That makes it more shootable, Kyle, because there's no. uh... Oh no! Oh god! (laughs) Here we go again. (laughs) Anyways, um, you're illegally modifying the height of your occupier. Well, it also gives it cover from way more stuff because it's going to increase its height by like twice. I was going to say they should modify the bed of the occupier to be like a dance floor. So I brought up the I brought up the rules, and I actually think it, I actually think it's actually a, a typo here. To, to go back to it, I just realized it's a typo. But it says during the unit's activation, if the vehicle that is transporting that unit has performed more than one standard move or reverse during the current round, the unit must spend its entire activation to perform the action. So it says the action. Um, so I believe that is a typo. <laughs> and cannot perform additional actions or any free action. So yeah. you can perform the action, whatever the action is. Yeah, but I believe my, my understanding is that uh, if the vehicle double moved, you could only take one action as opposed to two. Yeah, so like, I think it's supposed yeah. to say an action versus the action. Yeah, yeah. So you uh, can you can double move with the tank and then shoot. Um, I mean, it's, it's sort of unclear what free actions do in that. I mean, like, all of Palp's other attacks are free actions, right? So... Um, yeah, you mean if you play it now, you will die? Yeah, man. <laughs> well, oh, yeah, because a now you will die's wording actually is during Palpatine's activation, correct? It's not like it's not like coordinated bombardment and maximum firepower. It's worded in a way that it is during his activation, I yes. believe. Um, as we go down this Palpatine in a tank rabbit hole. Um there's but while you're looking that up, Mike, because I believe that's what you're doing, um, is another significant cut here that I think is very interesting. Um, is Boba Fett down to 125? Um, because I strongly still, still trash. 
Oh, oh. so hold on. All right. Wow. I wasn't expecting that. So we're going down a <laughs> rabbit hole here. I strongly believe that we're heading towards a force user meta or a meta that has a very good linebacker melee unit. And you know what Boba Fett can do to those units? Yeah, make them freeze in their tracks with a wood cord. He can cord. stop them right in their tracks. Oh, and that is a tool. That is a tool that is good for the Empire. If so, like let's say you're trying to run an Empire gun line, right? And you have no answer to your opponent's linebacker, which is a very common thing. And, you know, Empire gun lines, like an Iden gun line has no way to deal with a lightsaber if it gets in, right? Um, well, Boba Fett can whipcord them. And I think Boba is going to have a place now. At, he's good at objectives. Um, you probably want to put, you know, seize the initiative on him uh, most of the time. Um, so he's going to effectively be 132 unit because he's going to be 125, five for seize and two for recon. But he's still really good at objectives. There's no standbys that can, you know, wipe him off the board if he goes to go get those, uh, you know, those objectives. Um, you know, a rocket is a good tool to have, you know, the rocket's a good tool to have against, I mean, anything but armor, right? It's a good, it's a good tool against armor. Um, and he has whipcord. Now, I know what Mike's thinking. I'm not taking Boba Fett for 132 points to slow down someone's Jedi, and I get it. But I do think that it's it, it will work in, in in lists. You know what's even better? Boba has a dead two pip, which makes him synergize with Aiden really well. <laughs> my my 130 point hero has two command cards that are marginally okay. Oh, um, give me a break. <laughs> I don't know. I, hey, I have to live with Sabine, okay? I think Sabine is way better than Boba, and okay. it's not close. Uh, um, Symbol of Rebellion's okay, but nobody really runs it all the time because it, it's it, just like they'd rather run push or they'd rather run no time or some other better two-pip that actually works with other things. Sabine has a exceptional command card that <laughs> more than makes up for the fact that she doesn't have a two-pip. Uh-oh. Yeah. Boba, Boba has... Two utility guys, cards that are like great in a good situations, so but I don't know. Okay. Um, anyway, we're talking about empire changes. We're not here to debate. Yeah, yeah. Well, next I, week is rebels. Boba yeah, next has, week is rebels. But, you can tell me why I'm wrong that, that I think Sabine and a landspeeder is garbage, but okay. Well, <laughs> all I got put her in a landspeeder. That doesn't mean she's bad. No, well, that's <laughs> what I'm. I'm saying putting her in a landspeeder is garbage. All I took out of this is that Mike basically thinks that both Mandalorians in this game have terrible two pips. That's that's yeah. Apparently. That is that is definitely true. I actually think. I mean, I actually think Sabine's two pip is fine. Yeah, it's, it's fine. probably okay. Um, it, graffiti on C one core in a long time because I'm ruffles. Like the amount of times I have played Boba's two pip, I can count on one hand, and I've played a lot of Boba Fett. Um, so I guess Zach to. <laughs> <laughs> talk to your point i think bosk is 115 points works from range four all of his command cards are at least fine if not great um his gun is five dice um at range four instead of four dice at range two um is there a list boba fett can work in maybe i think Boba Fett's problem doesn't have anything to do with his points cost. I think Boba Fett's problem is that his command cards have not aged well at all. Um, Whipcord is fine. 
um, but I don't think it competes with the other sorts of command cards you can get. Um, and I think when you're talking about heroes uh, in most factions, like the command cards are an important part of why you take them. Um, I just like the rocket. You can you can duplicate that effect now. Like, like it used to be a effect that was like, oh, I can, like, get a range 4 pierce attack with blast. Like, okay, great. Like, it's pretty easy to simulate that effect now that we have a ton of units in the game that do a bunch of things. And it's, it's not like it's a big pool. Like, um, I don't know. It's because Bova has Sharpshooter 2 anyway. Well, I mean, the yeah. card definitely doesn't need blast. But, I mean, like... If Boba didn't have Sharpshooter, he'd just be even worse, right? Uh, right. Well, Sharpshooter 2 is like the thing, I think. It's it's the Sharpshooter 2, the Mobility, the Courage 3. You're paying for all those things. Yeah. I'm, yeah. And I th and I think... I think if Empire wanted a Mandalorian, it's not a bad price point. I just, yeah. I'm just not sure that it wants a Mandalorian. It just doesn't synergize super well with its army. Yeah, relative to Aiden, yeah, that could be a tough sell if you had to choose between Aiden and Boba right now. Right, like, would, would I rather have a, com a commander who doesn't require me to take another hero, who has seven health, shields, supports my troops, has great command cards, or would I like to play... A Mandalorian that has one and a half command cards, and I have to take another hero to take, yep. and costs more out the gate before upgrades. Like, no. eh. Rebels have a similar problem right now between Cassian and Leia. Yeah, I, I, but it's a, it's similar. It's a similar dichotomy where it's like there's a there's a new wave hero who is in the same role, sort of, who does a who does more at a similar price point. I would argue Leia and Cassian are much different than well, well, Aiden and Boba Fett are from each other. Yeah, but I mean, in terms of just yeah. like you, the role they have in your army, yeah, which is a supports other units, but is also like a functional hero simultaneously, right? Leia is less of that because yeah, she's the, range two, speed two, spends right. most of her time take cover. You know, yeah. The difference is she supports core units and Cassian supports, supports characters forces yeah. yeah right and I think to go to the Empire conversation like Boba and Aiden are bo both supposed to be Swiss army knives right that's yes. kind of what their role is and uh Aiden just does it all really well yeah Aiden kind of shreds and, and Boba's like I do everything okay and I have jump <laughs> right like yeah, uh, you know it's still it's still be good speed three jump is real good I, there are situations where it's amazing right but it's yeah. just like in the situations where it's not you'd rather have Iden every time oh 100 100 yeah all right did i did we miss any empire changes i don't did we talk oh, about scouts. The specialist pack scouts and minus scouts? 12 yo so i want to talk about scouts because somebody was it i think it was david before yeah, you and I were talking about scouts versus the strikes versus full nakeds now because they're yeah. similar cost. So I think, assuming you're not like, like taking the tax strike route, like I think naked scouts in the special forces slot could be a thing. Um, they're better now. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think 
I don't think what you're doing is taking a sniper in a full unit or a sab in a full unit. But I do think that like 48 points for, you know, a eight black die range two pool that can like hold an objective or whatever. Like that's not terrible. Yeah. They're actually crazy efficient when you think about a 48 point unit with courage two with a free move at the start of the game that you know is throwing eight black even without surge it's pretty and with sharpshooter one to boot like that's a yeah. really good unit for 48 points it's it, a it, good buy it <laughs> is and i think it might be like with the decline of the effectiveness of strike teams and that like they just get eaten by arcs still that's not changing everybody no um, that's not changing <laughs> and um i think that I think that there's more room for something like this. That's not to say, like, this is a really good, cheap, rapid reinforcement unit. Um, you know, like, drop it anywhere on the table you want. Yes, please. Um, is it good enough? I don't know, but I think it's in the conversation. You can you can build a... I think I sent... Uh, David, I, I sent you, like, a, an, an Iden full upgrades, six Stormtroopers with DLTs, three naked scout squads, and two E-Webs. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a twelve like or thirteen acts. activation yeah. list, and there is there is no unit in that list that throws less than five dice when it shoots. Someone send that list to Ben from Team Relentless, because yeah. <laughs> I think he would love it. Yeah, I mean it's it's got a good command hand. Frankly, the scouts are still pretty good with tax strike if you can if you can you know hit it. Um, you know, oh, duh, two aim tokens for my eight die sharpshooter pool. Don't mind if I do. Um, oh, yeah. You know, and so uh, I don't know. Is it a, but I, there, it's also a lot of bodies. It is I think it's cool in like short range lists or like an item list with infiltrate and tax strike. I think, I think there's some, it's some like crazy jank of like Iden naked scouts and dewbacks with jammers. It's something wild like that, you know. Just things you would never put together before now might actually like be a pretty neat combo. Yeah. A I short mean, range skew. Yeah. Where it's more more so towards the you know civil war factions, right? Is we're heading basically to a wild west. I like. If you told me there was a tournament tomorrow and I had to predict what a rebel player or an imperial player would take, I have no clue what I would jot down. Um, I mean, obviously, obviously, you know, tax strike is, you know, the tax strike ISF list is what is being, you know, touted as probably, you know, the top dog here, you know, at the first look. But I mean, if you look at all of these cuts across the board, there's just so many different options there today than there were a week ago. And I, I just think that there's a lot of different lists that could function. Like you said, a short range list that can kind of get into your opponent's face and they have nothing that can kind of deal with it. Right, David, or you take like the Dubax invader. There's combinations that weren't there are there now. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun to kind of see it unfold. Yeah, and I also think that um, as as long as we're talking about Empire and Republic specifically today, I wanna I wanna toss in the aggressive tactics change. Um, aggressive tactics has gotten more expensive. It mostly affects these two factions the most. 
um, it clearly like has an effect on droids. droids, but but yeah. droids tend to have a little bit more leeway on the point situation. Depends, but you know, you could cut an uplink or something if you had to. A lot of the times, droids are some throwing like two uplinks into a lot of their lists recently. So, um, it went up five points. Um, that's kind of a big deal to the the clone lists that are triggering the surge tokens and the empire lists that are trying to i think it hurts empire more than it hurts clones um just because the shores are also getting a little bit worse because they're getting more expensive this makes them more expensive um you also can't share the surge tokens uh probably still worth it in a list that's trying to abuse it but i think it overall makes those lists a little worse um it hurts it hurts um it's funny we talked about kenobi right and, and i'm gonna focus on because that's what i play right it's hard to find a way to put aggressive tactics in a kenobi list now um before it was kind of stapled and i'm not sure i'm not sure that it's not stapled now but i think like the ideas i might toy and, and maybe that's where the five point you know drop comes in it makes aggressive tactics kind of the same points if you want to look at it that way but i i, I think for me personally, is I, I might not find a way to get aggressive tactics in because I bring barrier instead, right? And I use barrier basically as an aggressive tactics kind of role, where but it's even better because I'm denying actual hits coming through cover, like I'm denying the role. Um, so I think in like the Rex lists or like you know the Rex and the Arcstar list, you'll find a way to get aggressive tactics in. But when you're starting to play Anakin and Obi-Wan and Padme and, and, and Saber tanks, I think aggressive tactics becomes a luxury upgrade that you have to kind of mull over. Um, I know that five points doesn't seem like a lot, but it is when everything else around you is going up too. And, you know, the units that will struggle to get them in are the, are the higher priced units, right? Um, like, the thing about a Padme Anakin kind of list is that you have reliable exemplar caked in if you need it. So you have aggressive tactics light, right? Um, it, it's an interesting thing. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't think you'll see, I mean, it was probably the most used upgrade command card upgrade other than strict orders. Um, and I feel like that will definitely lower. I don't, I don't think it's going to go away, but it's definitely going to, drop significantly i think yeah do you guys remember when we used to play improvised orders (laughs) (laughs) oh i do yeah that was considered like a indispensable card yeah that was like that was meta you know i love that card oh my god but i I feel like hard i feel like there's been this is a total tangent and maybe we can hit neutral upgrades in like a total in a third episode um but there's been a proliferation of order control, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I like, think coordinate and entourage and, you know. Uh, yeah. Um, and it's just uplink, you know. I feel like improvised orders was totally indispensable when you had, like, a, you know, a Luke Leia list or uh, Veer's Boba list, and you didn't have any way to get you know, your other character orders on certain turns. Yeah, I'm thinking coordinated fire versus Boba Fett 
than having improv on Veers to make yep. sure Boba stayed in the bag longer. Right. Yeah, or, or max firepower, or, you know. Any, right, Veers Bosk. Yeah. You know? um, but, uh, yeah, now that there's so many tools to get order control to your focus pieces, like, directly, um, yeah, it's even at five points, I'm not sure. It's also <laughs> it's yeah, 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 totally. I just, like, I'm, I'm like, Zach's talking yeah. about aggressive tactics, and I'm like, yeah, man, yeah. we lived in a much different world a couple it's of years ago. It's also, like, easier to balance your order pool when you don't, like, spam one unit now. Yeah. I'm yeah, running totally. a lot of rebel lists where it's like, oh, I have... I don't have to run two and two in commander ops because I can change one of my commanders to an op, and then I have a lot more flexibility because I have three of each type. Three tokens, yeah. Yeah, so my order pool is a lot more balanced. It'll it'll still ding you occasionally, but it's usually not so harsh that you can't just like adjust. Maybe because maybe when I run medics, maybe I want improv again because I want to delay my medic. Hard to say, but anyway, I think there's that if you don't if you're not playing CIS. Or you're not playing uplink fives or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right. So overall, hot take empire. Thirty seconds each. Go. All right. I, I guess I'll go first. Um, still in a really bad spot. I think. Um, I think that they. I think the issue for empire is that they are still going to want to gunline and other factions can gunline better than them and it's going to find them in a in a sticky situation um i think if you if you're running an empire list that doesn't find a way to have a leg up on like a republic or a droid list they're in trouble but i mean i could be wrong i mean they're definitely better today than they were a week ago let's put it that way i don't know if it's enough I'm curious to see what people what people do with their units that got price reductions. I think there's room to play there. Um, I'm also really excited to see stormtroopers again because we've been missing them. It's been short troopers since they dropped, and it'd be nice to see storms actually do some work again. Um, so I think I think Aiden is still queen of the castle, and I think Palpatine is still king of the castle. Um, I think. Before this points update, it was just Aiden, and now it's it's Aiden Palp probably. Um, I think that if the if the Vader Dewback thing works out, you know there could be a like a combo wombo thing there. Um, I think vehicles might be able to make some play, but I think overall um, we're gonna see a lot of Aiden. We're gonna see a lot of Palp, and um, I'm hopeful that the points changes are enough but i am i i am tentatively hesitant along with uh zach over there that this is not quite enough um we'll we'll see i i don't think it's a pack your bag situation they're definitely better than they were a week ago but um uh, i do think that it's just like you know, if you're a gun line and you don't share tokens, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, man. Uh, you just don't do it as well as other things. Speaking so, of, sorry, go ahead and give your take because I was going to talk about something else. Sorry. Yeah. So there's there's a stat worth mentioning here because we're talking about you know Empire versus Republic and just the Empire faction as a whole for Invader League Season Five, which is like a thousand games of data, so a lot of data. Empire pulled almost perfectly even in cross-faction matchups with Rebels and with Droids, which is what you want, right? You want a 50-50 split. 
But the reason they did so dismal overall is because they got crushed by Republic, like 68% loss rate or something yeah. against Republic, which is it, outrageous. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, with these cuts combined with the Republic nerfs, I think it's possible it's enough. I think the fact that their their nemesis specifically is is Republic and Republic is the one getting the most nerfs is important. Like I would not say that Empire is bad insofar as even before these changes, they were pulling even with two of the other three factions. They were just absolutely getting crushed against Republic. So I, I don't know if it's enough, if the Republic nerfs are enough combined with these cuts, but I'm a little more hopeful than you guys, I think specifically because not only did empire get some nice cuts but they're like in the only faction that they really had a problem with is also the most nerfed faction if that makes sense i I think that that's fair i think that the things that made that matchup bad are still bad and i don't think that the points really change it um i think yeah those lists are down one activation but um, out of all the factions, Empire had the most ways to interact with the clone standby castle um, from outside standby range, and it really suffered. Um, so I, I, th- I think that just there's more hits pouring through, and I think that specifically is likely to get worse not better because there will be more aim tokens because there will be more offensive pushes um so so i i actually think that that the the republic empire matchup i think gets worse for empire instead of better i know that that's kind of like dreary outlook um that's my initial hot take there i I think this. I think the standby changes funnels Republic players into doing the thing that crushed Empire more. I think that's definitely possible. I guess we'll have to see. I mean, it's specifically it's arcs because Empire is a faction full of red save units. Red save units are vulnerable to snipers. Arcs are the best snipers. Um, it's arcs and take that clankers basically, and both of those are still there. Now the arcs are more expensive, but I don't know. I guess we'll see. I was going to uh, mention briefly that Aiden got a small buff because Covert Observation got a reprint. Did we not mention that? No, we didn't. I, I suppose that's worth mentioning. Um, it is. It is. It is because here, here's here's the buff side, right? So the reprint is this. While an opponent is issuing orders using a command card, each unit that is issued an order with that card gains one suppression token. If you Covops Aiden... Right, she can be the target for this. This is basically better ambush, um, and it also punishes you if you deliberately try to miss priority. Well, it's sort of better yeah. in that she's still got to be within range three of whoever's giving her the order. That's true, right? Yeah, like she, she can't be... give the order to herself with that. Right, card. she can't give the order to herself. She right, hopefully operative. Inferno took over for her, and they're close together or something. But it's still decent. Like I know people aren't 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 floored by this because one suppression means less than it used to. But the, I, the card I is think it's still important. Yeah. Um, I I think that in lists like that are just giving like an order to Bosk every turn, like this is kind of free. I mean, there's also like panic forcing as well on this one. So like, let's say you build up enough suppression and your opponent's like, okay, well. You know, I'm gonna remove my suppression over the turn. This card is just saying no. 
So, you know, if you were on a threshold of like four and you went back down to three, they play co-observation, you go back up to four and then you're like, well, now I have a 20% chance that I'm going to flee, So, which is really bad for you. So I think the issue with this card is that like your opponent still gets to choose. Like they see you flip it face up and they're like, okay, well, I'm not going to give my orders to the units that are going to panic. Right, right, but that's a huge sacrifice too. No, no doubt, but I actually right. think it makes Anakin way worse. Yeah, this, this change so. is a is a nerf to Anakin. <laughs> yeah, out the gate. it's like oh, <laughs> well, Imperial Winter it's horrible against Republic. I guess you have something there to use <laughs> against Empire or against Republic. It doesn't work against Rex though. No, it does not. Sadly. <laughs> All right. Any final thoughts? Your mic is absolutely jacked, I and I microphone. and there's nothing I can do about it in editing. And I'm, so, and, I, and I'm sorry, everyone, that Kyle's mic is getting worse. We're gonna work on this. Uh, I've done like everything I can think of. Of like uh, anyway, yeah. Sorry, people. Sorry for my totally messed up mic. Uh, my final thought is is that every time we think we can make an episode quicker than we have in our heads, it always ends up longer. Um, you know. I think we were like, oh, we're going to split this up so it won't be like a three-hour cast. And we're probably like, a, I don't know, two hours and something into it. So We're about two and a half. Yeah, so there we are. <laughs> For the record, I was merely trying to avoid a five-hour cast. <laughs> <laughs> if this subject of the next episode, is Legion too complicated? <laughs> well, I mean, there was, there was just a lot of changes, right? Like, there okay, we were two and a half hours in. What if we still had to talk about Rebels and Separatists? I know. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, is yeah. I guess it is complicated. Just look at the scatter discussion today. You know. I know. Oh, oh, well, all uh, right. Let's. No, I don't no. think. I don't think that should be that complicated. But anyway, <laughs> it isn't. But it's not. Um, let's not get into that. Uh, so we will see you next week, where we'll be talking about rebels and separatists. We are the notorious scoundrels. I'm Kyle. I'm Mike. I'm David. I'm Zach. Uh, and Ron Burgundy apparently too <laughs> um, alright stay fresh cheese bags <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>